Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How's it going, guys? You're watching another episode of Pop Culture Crisis. Miracle is so excited to get started today that she almost interrupted me right there. So why don't you introduce yourself, young lady? Hi, I'm Miracle Sam. Nice to meet you. And I didn't even talk into the mic. Oops. You gotta, you gotta do better about that. She's like, I can't hear myself. I can't hear anything. Maybe it's because you're not actually talking into the microphone. No, I'm over here like, yeah, I'm talking yeah. over here. Exactly. But I'm... I'm supposed to be right here in center. Yes. Uh, so. Oh, and I love it. Our guest is just judging us quietly. He is. He I'm is. I'm taking notes. We uh, we <laughs> have a, we do have a guest today. Introduce yourself, sir. Uh, Chris Carr, the executive editor of the news team at uh, TimCast.com. Woo! How yeah. you doing? I'm good. How are good. you? Good. I'm. I'm happy to be by. here. Yeah, dude. It's uh, I gave him notes tonight. Like mm-hmm. I, I gave him like extra uh, time to prepare for the stuff that we're going to talk about. So I say we just uh, get right into it. Uh, first, I'll tell people what we're gonna what we're gonna be discussing tonight. So we're mm-hmm. going through. We're gonna talk about um, Christmas. Christmas movies. That's gonna be the very first topic. I got really excited because uh, Chris actually suggested it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's because it's got Chris in his name. That, <laughs> that, that is a worthwhile component, but <laughs> at the same time, I'm really jazzed about Christmas it, and movies. So it, when it comes together like this, I just, I, I, I can't resist. Did you grow up with Christmas? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. Big yeah, because you got, uh, you hit me uh, when we do the other, when I do the like the board work for your other mm. stuff with uh, Shane, you guys talk about religion fairly often mm-hmm. and, you know, Christianity, Christmas, it all kind of fits in, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dovetails nicely. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said ducktails. I, I heard that too. I was like, ducktails is good. Uh, kind of sad that they ended. Did you see the original? You probably didn't, did you? I watched I the original. Really? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So every once in a while, you do uh, tap into the stuff that I grew up mm-hmm. with as a kid. I watched the original movie that came out, too. Nice. With, like, the little lamp. And then, like, the new DuckTales, they did, like, a little episode where they talked about it, too. Oh, really? Yeah, they did oh, their own version. So um, nice. if you're not familiar with the new DuckTales, I think it came out 2017. It ended, like, t- this year or in 2020. Basically, there's an episode where... They find the lamp and like they don't realize that they're being controlled by the genie, but everything's like 90s. No way. In that whole episode. And it's like a sitcom. And basically the reason why it's like that, because Donald Dunk wish that they wouldn't do adventures anymore. He wants a normal life. And his ideal was the 90s. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought it was really cool. And it reminded me that because of Brett's cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one? Yeah, because Very like cool. um Dewey was wearing his cap like that because Dewey has this persona where he's cool Dewey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am cool Dewey. That is me. So I'm cool Dewey. You're Huey. Way. I'm Huey. Yeah. And then Huey Dewey, Dewey and Louie. I'm Louie. Yeah, you're Louie. You got a little Louie going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in addition to to du- to du- I almost said we were going to talk about Ducktales. 
in addition to talking about Christmas movies, we are going to discuss uh, season five of Cobra Kai, which just wrapped filming. We're going to talk about Denzel Washington because mm-hmm. this topic keeps coming up and I finally wanted to do a video on it. We are going to talk about a uh, conspiracy that's uh, got to do with Jake Paul in his recent uh, knockout. And then we're also going to get into an article talking about uh, some introspection by one of the actors from the Cowboy Bebop live action series uh, and some stuff he had to say about that. So we got a, a good amount of stuff to discuss here. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. Bring it on. All right. So let's, let's just, do it. Let's go right for uh, first one right here. This is uh, the Irish Post. Uh, this is from the Irish Post, and it's talking about basically all the best Christmas movies, like the most popular Christmas movies of 2021. Like I think it's like a an overall um, <coughs> metric here. And it's got percentages, and it's also got uh, – Favorite Christmas movie, uh, Christmas movies we're most tired of seeing. So there's like a bunch of stuff here. It's not just... uh Oh, uh, look. Sign yep. into their subscription. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> the, I'm, not, I'm not using uh, the Wayback Machine or Archive.com. That's, that's as good as I... That's as much as I can give them here. Um, <laughs> so uh, first of all, I want to ask you guys, before we get started, what is your favorite Christmas movie of all time? This list, uh, it had some uh, successes and disappointments for me, Okay, mm-hmm. but it nailed the main critical question. Home Alone is my favorite Christmas movie Did of all time. Did you watch the remake on Disney Plus? I, I'm not going to do that. No. Dude, they made the kid look like a villain, which he is, because all the parents, like the, the quote-unquote villains, they're just parents that are really poor, and they just wanted to get a doll for their daughter, and they thought he stole it. And they were trying to go into his house to get it. And then finally, when he did all the traps and the parents are like all injured, they finally asked, like the husband asked the kid, did you steal the doll? He's like, what doll? And he's saying it in the British accent too. So it's like more obnoxious. He's like, I don't have a doll. And they're like, oh, all's forgiven. (sighs) It's Uh, all a big misunderstanding. Yeah. That is the worst. I mean, out of all the bad remakes that I've heard of, that sounds so dreadful. But I, I kind of like the actress that plays as the mom, like the mom villain. Who's she's, the mom? Um, she's the actress that played Kimmy Schmidt. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. She was also in The Office, the redhead. And uh, Bridesmaids. Yes. Yeah, she's good. She's mm-hmm. good. Um, oh, but what's your favorite Christmas movie? Yeah, I, um, that was the next question. I need yeah. to know your... So his is Home Alone. Yes. Yes. Yours? Um, Sarah asked me this. I don't know exactly, but it's not on the list. You, I need an actual <laughs> answer. Because I, Dude. I love all of them. But I kid you not. I bugged Hannah Claire. First of all, I got a list. I took a, a survey <laughs> uh-huh. of all our coworkers oh. and got their favorite Christmas movies. And nice. I and Hannah Claire, uh, we, we have a, a glorious writer here at the company who writes mm-hmm. articles, who is so into research that when I asked her for her favorite Christmas movie, she's like, I can't. I can't tell you. And then she went and literally started researching Christmas movies uh, over ones she's seen, trying to figure out which one it was that she liked the best. And she wouldn't give me an answer. I sort of got, she only gave me two. She wouldn't give me one. She gave me two. What? <laughs> so, she's great. Oh my God. Um, one of a kind. So I need an answer, Miracle. Women are indecisive, but actually I like the Polar Express. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> it's okay. not even on this list. No, it's it's on uh, one one other person had that on their li- on the list here, and I will I'll be f- uh, full disclosure. We judged him very hard for loving that movie because I did the say book, 
The book is fantastic. I didn't say I loved it. I just said I like it. But I need a favorite. Like, you don't have a favorite Christmas movie. Because I like all of them pretty much. No. One of, I mean, there's not one that you're just, like, dying to watch every year. I mean, because I have a whole list of movies I look forward to going through starting at the beginning of December. As soon as the thing, uh, Thanksgiving it's like Hall- over, It's basically. like Halloween. People have yes. certain Halloween movies they Absolutely. watch during that time of year. Uh, yeah. So if you, if you guys, would you like to hear some of the... I have to. Yeah, yeah okay. because Brett is already over with me. He's like, she doesn't <laughs> have a favorite <laughs> Christmas well, movie. Well, the answer. point is that we're going to come back to it and okay. discuss why right. it's your favorite, right? right. Mm-hmm. Sure. So for me, it's the Santa Claus. Mm. That's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Mm. Uh, I, ca- I can, and The funny thing is, because of the time of year, I couldn't even really tell you why. It's because of the age, uh, the time it came out in, and the age I was at that time, likely, has a great deal to do with that, right? There's a magic totally. there that is almost entirely emotional and has very little to do with good, good filmmaking, right? So Andy... Any guesses? Uh, Andy, he's a, he's a, uh, the CTO of the company we work for. Jingle all the way. You looked at the list. <laughs> <laughs> I cheated. Uh, okay, well, I'll just list them off. All right, yeah. uh, Sarah, as in Sarah Loops? downstairs. No, uh, other Different Sarah. Sarah. Okay. Uh, the the Nova. Grinch. Yes. Okay. The Grinch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, uh, Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Andrew, Nightmare Before Christmas. Of Luke, course he is. Luke says uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, as does Sarah, his, mm. his Sarah. Mm. Uh, Andreas says It's a Wonderful Life. Brian says Surviving Christmas. <coughs> ben says Nightmare Before Christmas as well. Chris says uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I didn't expect that one from Chris. Yeah, nope. that's, a, that's kind of a surprise. Um, Nick said The Polar Express, so that's too bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, then, uh, uh, and then, yeah, Sarah says the same as Luke. Uh, National Lampoons and then Hannah Claire gives me White Christmas and the Spirit of Christmas and it took her you know what I take back everything I said about her she's a nut (laughs) (laughs) it took her all day to think to think of that and I was just like really like she she is so dialed into the news reporter experience that she's not like thinking about her own experience no she Christmas movies (laughs) she does she did though she went through like she went through like we went through like an hour-long discussion discussing like how Christmas movies are structured and made and and how they're like designed to like first of all they're they're like Pixar movies they're emotionally manipulative Mm -hmm. Uh, all Hallmark movies are that way right like it's a formula it's like a it's a small town and then all of a sudden this lady who's like a big town lawyer and she suddenly moves back to the small town because something happens uh, ensue emotional manipulation and that's sure. ho- what holiday movies do but you live for it because uh, you know you just it's what they are what they are and they aren't trying to be something else Die Hard is uh, I also I had to deal with people calling Die Hard a <clears throat> Christmas adjacent movie <laughs> Which I then thoroughly ragged on them for and made fun of them for saying such things. Andy said that, and so did Hannah Clearly, like, it's not really a Christmas movie. It's Christmas adjacent. <laughs> they said adjacent. Uh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. That is awful. They are wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for you, why is uh, y- your favorite Christmas movie? I think I think it really goes back to um, being that age when that movie came out. I mean, I yeah. think I was five or six. I think I was actually five when Home Alone came out, and it was one of my... If it wasn't the first movie I saw in a theater, it was like the first mo- movie I remember seeing in the theater. Yeah. And I, I I don't know. I mean, it's grown on me over the years, too. I, I, I appreciate so many more elements of it. And uh, but but I'll never forget, like being in the theater and being mm-hmm. a kid. And you see that Daniel Stern is getting ready to put his bare feet on yeah. all of that glass. And I was like freaking out. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I just I, I never experienced that in a movie mm-hmm. in a dark movie theater as yeah. a five year old before. And my mom was just like, oh, do you need to go? Should we should we leave? And I was just like, no, I love this. <laughs> have, have you ever seen the cuts they make where they change the music and it looks like a horror movie? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, yeah, and it works that way. It too. works that way. Totally. My favorite uh, uh, meme or request that people had is instead of making the the Home Alone remake that they did, what they should have done is remake Home Alone with Macaulay Culkin and have no one acknowledge the fact that he's like forty years old. Just <laughs> play it like he's nine. <laughs> And just no, awesome. nobody seems to notice that he's not a kid, that he's a full-grown adult. Um, and That'd be so confusing. Would be amazing, right? So, I, and then I also, mean, yeah, they were saying that if you ever get a chance, watch the Honest trailer for Home Alone. Incredible. It is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I've always wanted to see a sequel where, um, like, just kind of works with the idea that Macaulay Culkin is, his character is just cursed. He's always being left behind at Christmas. So instead of being the kid that's left behind, he's the dad that gets left behind. (laughs) And and he ends up, you know, maybe, I don't know how other other criminals get involved, but they have to show up somehow. Maybe they've been in prison for 20 years and they have to be rehabilitated. Pesci and Stone are still alive, so they could could come back. I know. I would love to see that. They want revenge somehow. But I, I I love the acting in this movie. I think that the, the editing is flawless. The directing is genius. I mean, everything about it is Christopher really Christopher Columbus. Yes. 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 Exactly. Have yeah. you watched the Netflix TV show, The Movies That Made Us? They yes. talked about it. Absolutely. I yeah. love that. That was a great episode. They, yeah. So they talked about the whole background story, like how um, all the famous Christmas movies that made us, like as where we were growing up, like how they did it. Apparently, they almost didn't do it mm-hmm. because... Um, I forgot who's the main actor that got electrocuted. Daniel, Daniel Stern. Yeah, yeah, like he didn't want to do some of them. That's like interesting. Some of the yeah. That's like right up his alley. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, uh, bushwhacked. Yeah. Um, but prior to these movies, he was doing like serious dramas. Like he was in Barry Levinson's <coughs> um, yeah. uh, 1982 uh, debut Diner. Um, there was a handful of movies that he did where it was very serious. Um, mm-hmm. But did I, you know he directed Rookie of the Year? Yes, I did, and that, that is a brilliant performance own, from him. It's in like that his movie. only foray into directing, and it's really it's good. It's really good. I, I know. I was ex- America. Was that you? I was talking about. Yeah. yeah, she knows that movie, and I was nice. like, my she uh, she understood my Windermere reference <laughs> that I made, talking about the character of Windermere, and I was like blown away. Yeah. I was like, holy crap, that's yeah. like deep cut for a, a a zoomer to understand how annoying it must have been to watch Windermere get sent to right field. Well, or you Call mm-hmm. me a Gen Xer because I was listening to a lot of like heavy metal you, and like, I wa- punk rock. <laughs> she was listening to like Papa Roach one day. I'm like, Ay. nice. Oh my god, have you heard their new remake with this one celebrity? I didn't even singer? listen to them when they were out. Let alone. Oh. <laughs> well, there's like a new remake. It's called Last Re- like Revisit of Last Resort. It's like something new. It came out this week, hmm. and I was listening to um to it with Sarah, and she's like, I don't like it because it's like slower. Like it goes slow, but then it goes to like the upbeat that we remember where it's like, this is my last resort. Cut my life into pieces. Go nope. on. I know. <laughs> I'm scared. I mean, it, it slows down the whole song. I, I don't think it would interest. I mean, well, that's not really my genre. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. Well, you made fun of me because I like the uh, three days of grace. You know, nobody's perfect, man. And then I like Linkin Park also. <laughs> then, I, yeah. You get a pat. Linkin Park's fine. Chester Bennington was the yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my answer was the Santa Claus. Mine ended up on this favorite list, which was, but with only eight percent of the votes, it was number ten. Mm. Yours was number one. Home yeah. Alone got twenty-four yeah. percent of the votes on here. So, uh, a bunch of these didn't even end up on there. I mean, who here was going to pick Love Actually? Awful <laughs> um, movie. Really um, bad. I couldn't believe nobody said The Holiday. The Holiday is a very, very uh, well structured, mo- emotionally manipulative Christmas movie that is. Uh, nobody liked Krampus. Was, uh, I enjoyed it. Klaus. I don't think 
Klaus, belongs on Klaus came out last year, uh, um, the animation. Or no, oh, that was two years ago. You know, a good friend of mine just told me about a movie called Fat Man with uh, uh, Mel Gibson. Have I've you heard of this? Se- I've never seen never it. Never heard of it, never seen it, but apparently Mel Gibson plays like a gun-toting Santa Claus type figure. Oh, I've heard of it. Okay. I, never, okay, I, heard, I think I might have seen a Critical Drinker video on it. Maybe I haven't not. seen it yet, but I'm, I'm intrigued. But this part of the list was interesting because it says film series uh, most wanting, like that are most watched over Christmas. And I wonder why that is. Like, I understand the Harry Potter ones. I know for a, a, a good portion of the releases, if I remember correctly, they were coming out around Christmas. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, so you tie it in there. Plus the Halloween or, or the Halloween the uh, the th- the books dealt with Christmas in almost every yeah. every every book until the end right it was like they made mm-hmm. a big deal they even used the term Boxing Day which people in America don't even know what the hell Boxing Day is yeah mm-hmm. I uh, learned that from my Canadian friends on Discord there you go oh interesting yeah huh. I, I can't imagine why people would watch uh, I, I didn't know is Pirates of the Caribbean a, a winter release as well yeah, yeah it yeah. is okay I haven't seen a Pirates after Pirates 2, and I remember almost... I'm so mad that they destroyed the ride. No, plus they got rid of Depp, and they're going to make the female-only version of uh, the female reboot of Mm -hmm. Pirates. Of course they are. Yeah, well, Princess of the Caribbean. Okay, I was okay when they re... Like, kind of redesigned Pirates of the Caribbean, because, like, you remember that one scene on the ride where, like, the guy is chasing after the woman Mm. in that one part of the ride? Well, they got rid of it, so it's like basically instead of a guy chasing after the girl, she's like sitting on the balcony and she's like acting like all posh. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but you know, she's still like AKA Lady of the Night. Right. <laughs> just uh, well, I've, I've never yeah. been on the ride. I've never. I've, you never been to Disneyland or I've, Disney World, and I'm so disappointed. I want to take you. It's not. I'm not going to <laughs> Disneyland or Disney World. We have to go. I'm they not, have new is, Disney stuff. It's the 50th anniversary. I'm already giving them money, giving, having a Disney Plus subscription, and even that makes me feel dirty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I share that feeling. Yeah, yeah. like I, I pay for it. And I'm like, I need, a, I need a shower uh-huh. after after paying Disney any amount of money. I know it's pretty gross. Yeah. Come on. What are you gonna do? But I mean, it's the it's, that's where you watch the Santa Claus. Yes, <laughs> I love that movie. And, and for yeah. me, the, honestly, the, the part that I remember more than anything is the part where he gives, like, uh, his ex-wife's, like, new, like, the new stepdad, he gives him the weenie whistle. Oh, the, I know. And the guy goes, my weenie whistle. <laughs> it's an unforgettable moment. I, I have no idea why, but that's, I remember that. And when he says, and when he goes into his police interrogation, like... <laughs> <laughs> or no, actually, no, never mind. Now more of it's coming back to me. The part that still hits me, maybe more than anything else, is when they go to when they go to Denny's, yes. and the kids all excited. He goes, "Chocolate milk," and she's like, "We're out." And he goes, "Regular milk's fine." <laughs> like that's me all the time. That's fine. I gotta say that this Santa Claus is a movie that's aged beautifully. Yes, and, and it resonates with me as an adult too, yes. especially as an adult with kid because, with a kid because it's just like. I don't know. I feel like there's some themes about faith and, um, you know, just like what, because like, as I watch it now and I revisit it every year, I'm just like, oh, this is really about, uh, in some ways, it's about a person's perceived psychosis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like. It would make more sense than, you know, to in the in a world where this isn't real. Right. That makes, all, that always makes more sense than what happened in the actual movie. Yeah. Not to mention that horrible contract where if he just happens to fall yeah. off your roof, you're just screwed. That's mm-hmm. not the original script. Do you know that? No. The original script is he shoots Santa. Oh. <laughs> but they said too dark for Disney. You that's, can't do that, dude. The NRA version. That's awesome. Uh-huh. I want I that know. one. <laughs> it also it also has young David Crumholtz uh, mm. as the lead elf. Who uh, yes. Crumholtz went on to? He was in uh, 
10 Things I Hate About You. I love yep. 10 Things I Hate About You. I love the show Numbers, which nobody in the world has seen but me. I have seen it. I love that show. That's good. That's, uh, it, it's like the most it's the most ridiculous concept ever where they're solving crimes with math like on the fly. Like <laughs> algorithms, maybe that kind of makes sense, but they're like using math to solve like crimes that happen right then and now. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Well, uh, it kind of kind of makes sense yeah. if yeah, you I think about it. it. Everything is uh, sped up for in Hollywood. It's like TV shows that solve like these like months long crimes in a day mm-hmm. like their mm-hmm. outfits never change I love that <laughs> so but Home Alone really is like you've heard the theory that he's uh, Jigsaw that um, yes, yes. I, yeah. love I love that, that yeah me that, too that's that, a great theory that may be the most compelling um, fan theory that there is because who wouldn't imagine that this kid wouldn't have turned out to well he's trying to make um, sinners slash um, do bad doers <laughs> I don't I forgot the word like my brain just farted and I was like bad doers we're we're here for you yeah okay (laughs) she's like it's the opposite of (laughs) do-gooders it's do-batters do-batters that sounds kind of cute do better do better um well I I, as enticing as the jigsaw premise is I just think that he is destined to be a filmmaker (laughs) I think that he's a tinkerer and he knows how it's not just like setting up little cars and stuff like he knows how to like stage an entire event that happens and I think that that's one of the reasons that Chris Columbus may have been attracted to this project and longtime screenwriter John Hughes came up with this premise is because Mm -hmm. it's really a movie kind of about the kind of precocious mind that could mature into an artist especially a crazy artist like yeah. A filmmaker, mm-hmm. you know, well, maybe maybe that maybe he ends up becoming a performance artist yeah. and, and working in museums where he sets up elaborate things that are just far less dangerous. Totally. Like the like the the paint cans come down, but there's but they're foam paint cans. And <laughs> I love that. That uh, and yeah. did you? That's the other thing. Did you see the story like a month ago where the the house from Home Alone was put up for Airbnb for yeah. one night only? I think God, I, I sent you that there. article. Yeah, like yeah. we didn't talk about it on air, but yeah, you could you could you were able to go there and do that. And they they set it all up. With yeah, right yeah. down to the Michael Jordan cutout. The Amazing <laughs> micro machines. Yeah. Well, Michael have Jordan. you seen the robot chicken version? No. Uh-uh. It's so funny. They're like, if robot chicken was in charge of writing it, the kid would die. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the, and the mom has cashed in by making a, a Capital One credit card commercial oh, or something yeah. where oh, it's God. with Kevin Hart, uh-huh. where she just says Kevin really loud <laughs> a bunch of times. Oh, yeah, that commercial. We loved it. Pre 9-11. Also, the honest trailer, like pre 9-11 air tra- traffic, like air, <laughs> air travel, like where they just let him on the plane. <laughs> and, and he's like, my dad's over there. They don't even see his face. It's just a guy in a coat. Like, sure. Yeah. Totally like that guy lost his job yeah like <laughs> you sent a kid to freaking uh, to new york when you're supposed to go to france yeah yeah it's a different time you know yeah. different time different form of parenting everything um if i may i did want to touch on the the movies we're tired of seeing mm-hmm. on yeah. the irish times list mm-hmm. because well there's a couple things here i was disappointed the holiday was on <coughs> yeah. i was disappointed because we just revisited that and i really enjoy mm-hmm. it i love Na- nancy myers i think she's a great auteur filmmaker you know uh, Scrooge is, is in my top five. I love Scrooge. Mm-hmm. It's a very dark, weird movie, yeah. but I love it because Bill Murray, especially in that movie, but also in general, is like kind of my spirit animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I quote that movie all year long. Like I just have that. I have his reactions to people in that movie every day. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys I'm, seen it? I've only seen Scrooge, like half of Scrooge. Okay. Huh? I watch. My like dad. All, my dad loves that movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. I watch all renditions of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I kind of like that story. Mm-hmm. I like the Disney version the most with Scrooge McDuck. It's pretty good. It's really good. That. Yeah, yeah. It's really That's good. That's a classic. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of upset that the movies that um, we 
this is technically a Christmas movie. Gremlins. Yes, Gremlins is technically a Christmas movie. If Die Hard is a Christmas movie, uh, Gremlins is still technically considered a Christmas movie. Because I disagree on both counts. Yeah. No, no, but it's set in Christmas. To yeah. me, the only thing that has to qualify is that the entirety of the movie <clears throat> takes place over the Christmas season and a vague uh, connection to Christmas. Now, if a movie is like a year and they show a Christmas <sighs> scene, that doesn't make it a Christmas movie. But come on, they were watching Snow White. That's very Christmas-ish. I mean, it doesn't have as much to do with the theme as, say, Die Hard, which is like he's trying to get home mm -hmm. to see his, uh, you know, mm. and he has to go through because it's at a, it's literally at a Christmas party. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I don't like the term Christmas adjacent. I, I really no, no. don't. Totally object um, to that. Maybe my problem is just that I don't like those movies. Yeah, be, maybe. You know? And I mean, I would replace them with serendipity and ah, joy. Yes. You know, I mean, these are not really Christmas movies, but these are such Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. I didn't also, I noticed that nobody on here had uh, Frost the snowman there was mm. no uh, um, there was no Charlie Brown Christmas right. uh, like, oh yeah I, I was would expect that. both of those to be on here and they're not mm. um, I was singing the theme song it's yeah. Christmas time <laughs> but those are not full length films though also they're right. like 30 minutes like 23 to right with True. commercials 30 minutes so mm -hmm. um, I don't know uh, one of my strongest memories of Christmas media is more to do with commercials than movies uh, there's a great commercial where uh uh, Scrooge is uh, who's supposed to it's clearly supposed to be Scrooge gets like eats Cheerios and like smiles for like the first time in years and you see all this uh, light bathe him oh that's right yes. I remember that uh, you, you'll re you remember yeah. it even though you like it's it's not sticking in your brain like right like <laughs> yeah. it's that scene whoever that director was should be a uh, should be awarded for like his ability to make that memorable mm -hmm. right right that but speaking really about good. commercials, have you seen the Chick-fil-A new commercial? Mm -mm. Oh my god, it's so cute, but at the same time, I thought I was kind of stretching it. Basically, it's like a family. Um, they're decorating the Christmas tree, and there's like an expensive ornament that belongs to the little girl's grandma. And the mom's like, be careful, and she's like holding it, looking at it. The dog bumps into her, and she drops it, and it's it's broken it's shattered because it's made out of glass and i'm like oh. who lets a little girl touch glass <laughs> <laughs> and like um basically it shatters and she's like oh no i'm sorry mom and the mom's like oh this belonged to your grandma but it's okay and then all of a sudden she's sent into a portal to like this factory that's not even related to chick-fil-a but it's a guy who's like a chef and he's like we fix anything and he's like think of something that would make your mom happy and like her, I think it's her sister. Like she looks adopted. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> because like the family is like um, Afro American, and like the uh. the girl who's with her is like Latina mix. I see your sure. hand. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but um, basically they're like okay, and then they come out from the portal, and she's like, "Mom, I have a present for you," and she's like, "What is it?" And she shows her, and it's like. Oh, this is so cute. Your mom always said, look at the sunny side. And it's a sunny side, su um, side up egg. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> this is a Chick-fil-A commercial? Yeah, apparently. And they advertise it in their restaurants, too. And I'm like, what does this have to do with anything with Chick-fil-A? That's pretty weird. Other than the say. eggs. But you know what <laughs> doesn't make sense? Cobra Kai. That was, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been getting Miracle to get better at uh, transitioning, transitioning us out of topics into new ones. Awesome. Yeah, but awesome. that was, I mean, that was a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> I know because I was talking about that, eggs. Uh, but you know, like maybe the, you know what you eat before a karate match? Eggs. Eggs. <laughs> Raw Speaking eggs. of which, Cobra Kai. Well, that's more like Rocky because he did that for boxing. Oh, there you go. 
Um, this is a this is a sm- like a smaller article. Uh, it's more just announcing season. I don't know if you've watched Cobra Kai at all. Have you mm-hmm. seen any of it? Uh, I saw the first <coughs> season. Okay, the, yeah, first season. the YouTube yeah. the YouTube Red uh, season of it. And there's some interesting stuff that I learned about this as well. But this is basically just giving a, a heads up that they've finished uh, they finished filming season five even before season four comes out. Mm-hmm. So that's very presumptuous. It mm-hmm. says, after binge-watching every episode of Season 4, fans shouldn't have to wait long for Cobra Kai Season 5. Netflix will release the fourth season of the Karate Kid sequel series towards the end of the month. Season 3 aired on January 1st, giving uh, subscribers two seasons to watch on the streamer uh, in a single year. So they, you know, they're releasing it rather fast. It says, while some fans will watch the new episodes as soon as they're available, and then by January 1st, Netflix will probably be hearing requests for Season 5. The good news for those uh, Cobra Kai addicts is that the season five is complete and entering post-production. The information comes from Cobra Kai producer and co-creator John Hurwitz, uh, who announced the end of, uh, who not announced the end of season five on Twitter. Um, what I heard, and this is what, uh, if I'm to say that there's something that worries me about this, is that season three uh, is very good. I'm halfway, th- no, I'm on the last two episodes of season two again. I've been rewatching it in preparation to start season four. But what I've learned is that season one, two, and th- uh, one, two, three, and four were all filmed um, before Netflix bought the series. Yeah. Uh, mm. Given how much I tend to not trust Netflix with anything that they make that has to do with a remake or a reboot or a continuation, uh, I worry if they're going to try and put their own stamp on it in a way that will hurt uh, how well this show has done at proving that you can continue a series and pay homage to the original and not insult the core audience that came with it mm-hmm. while still expanding the lore and making way for new characters. Because that's what always seems to be the problem with these things, whether it's uh, the Disney sequel trilogy or any no- or Star Trek uh, in, cr- in its current form. It's very hard uh, for these studios, for some reason, to be able to produce something new that both pays homage to the original material without... Find they seem to think that to make new characters good, you have to make the old characters look bad. This show does a very good job of not doing that in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had an article we covered a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. where the creator of the show said, uh, some people have had questions about wh- who the strongest person in the Cobra Kai universe is. I love the idea that they think of it as a universe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and he says, Mr. Miyagi will always be the strongest character in this universe, which shows a clear amount of respect and reverence for the so you know for the material in which the show is based on mm-hmm. plus they've expanded it's not just it's not heartless or a shot for shot remake uh, they've kind of expanded it and made it its own thing there was that uh, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to like theories about the show like a lot of people considered um, him to be the bad guy uh, consider not Johnny but considered um, Larusa Larusa mm-hmm. to be the bad guy because uh, the kick at the end was technically what was not technically legal or whatever right, right. which was probably just an oversight in script editing right <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but a lot of people you know considered him to be the bad guy and in season one he kind of is not, not the bad guy, but they paint all these characters in shades of gray. So Fifty I'm these shades of gray. No, no, uh, no, <laughs> no, miracle. <laughs> not. Yeah, yeah. So 
I, I don't know if like uh, I, I don't know if I trust that season five will be as good as season one, two, and three are. I'll have to see how season four goes. Mm. But if season four was also done before Netflix was involved, who knows if that's even an indication, right? But mm-hmm. what's even more concerning is that it seems that like, they fact tra- they fast tracked yeah. season five, right? So I mean, if if they tend to cut corners and you know sort of put out these weird uh, you know uh, follow ups or remakes or reboots or whatever, then yeah, there's that's, there's a valid reason to be concerned here. There's there's reasons to do that, especially with child actors because they age faster. Mm. Yeah. Um, they're in their mm. mid, they're in their early twenties. They're at a period in time where the on the younger half of those twenty uh, of those kids will look a lot different in a couple years than they would beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the producers likely i mean it's not an effects heavy show so they can push through post i'm guessing a lot faster than something with a lot of animation or a lot of cgi i'm guessing you're just not getting a lot of that in the show yeah. uh i believe it's filmed in georgia so i don't know if there's uh if there's implications for the seasons there i don't think that would matter mm-hmm. in georgia but in general uh, when people ask about because re- I, I get into the argument with a lot with people all the time because I tend to be a very positive minded person when it comes to media um, I, I give th- most things the benefit of the doubt before I'm inevitably let down and when people want an example of how to do uh, if, if you're going to latch on to old IP and you're going to use it to make something new this is the gold standard for how to honor uh, what came before it while building new characters. Most people who I talk to's favorite characters now have nothing to do with uh, um, z- with uh, Daniel or with, uh, you know, mm. any of them. Like, uh, most of the... Fa- like, I think one of my friends still thinks Kreese is the best guy. Uh, John Kreese is the best guy. But for the most mm. part, I find that they find the kid actors or the ones who are... Who's, where the story's a little bit more... Um, Heartfelt in a way, mm-hmm. like, you know. I, I'm not. That's that's a horrible way of describing it. But you know, it's it goes back to those stories of old of kids finding themselves, and they're using uh, the other characters as a, a vehicle to to tell stories about kids again, because that's what the original Karate Kid was. Mm-hmm. Mi, uh, Miyagi might have been the standout to a lot of people, but Daniel was who the story was focused around. Mm-hmm. So uh, this show does it better than just about anything that I've seen coming out. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife did it very, very well Hmm. as well, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, But it's like these people should be taking notes on how to do this because you can only fail so many times trying to create something out of an old property, which inevitably just doesn't work out. We're going to talk about that later with uh, Cowboy Bebop, Mm. though that's not a continuation. That's an adaptation. Um, Did you see the original? Karate Kids? Oh, absolutely. No, that was was a big movie for me. The whole series. Favorite character? Uh, oh, Daniel. 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 Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. I, I but I, I really like him as an actor, and I really like the quality that he has in that movie. I mean, Miyagi. I, I I'm kind of tempted to say that, but no, it's it's Daniel for sure. And, and like, because we always uh, the example I always go back to of, of how they fail at this is the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. which uh, bastardizes and t- attempts to deconstruct. Uh, uh, Sky, you know, Luke Skywalker, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the character who is eternally optimistic almost to a fault, uh, is suddenly forlorn and negative and everybody sees it, you know, even somebody who's only like vaguely connected to Star, uh, to Star Wars like me, who like has seen the, the movies, saw some of Clone Wars, but it, for the most part, it's the original trilogy, looks at that and says, that's, but that's not 
Luke Skywalker. That's mm-hmm. not anything like what he's like. On top of the fact that they change the tone and make it modern day with the humor and the way that they portray everything is not serious in the way, or it's not in the tone of the original Star Wars. Mm. So in this, Daniel is just, he, he was cocky in the original, uh, but had flaws. Mm-hmm. And he's the same here. He struggles to balance his life. He is not perfect in any respect. Uh, his, this, I feel bad for his wife in the show who mm-hmm. just gets kicked to the side over and over again so this dude can have a midlife crisis and start a karate dojo literally because he thinks that the arrival dojo is bad. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to make... You can only do this... The show, if, Proof that the show is good is that nobody stops and thinks... That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. No adult who owns a car dealership is worried about a rival dodo in California. <laughs> yeah, but they render all that plausible because, like you said, uh, th- yeah, I'm, I'm really like racking my brain to think of another example of a reboot or a revisitation or something like that that really dials into the spirit and tone and world yeah. of the original. And that's why I thought that the first season of this show was just incredible. Like, I just, I, I we just sucked it up in our house. Especially considering how bad it could have gone. Yeah. It, like, oh, yeah. Every every episode, you think that it might turn take a turn for the worse. When you think about how, like, ridiculous the premise is. Yeah. Uh, it, and how, like, kind of that, those actors are kind of typecast now. Like, if you mm-hmm. look at a lot of their credits, it's like they go on, like, they would go on The Late Show and play yep. and play Daniel LaRusso. It's, uh, uh, I just couldn't believe how good it worked, especially focusing on Johnny, mm-hmm. who is, for the most part, the Gen, you know, a Gen Xer's wet dream, right? Yeah. That's exa- yeah. He's exactly that. Right. Yeah. And I'm on the other, you know, I'm not Gen X. I'm, I'm the edge of millennial mm-hmm. to, to Gen X. So, you know, I'm 35. So it's, it's like right yeah. in that realm there. But the kid, the, but the, 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 I, I want to call them kids, but they're not really kids. Right, they're they're right. teenage, they're teenagers, right? Yeah. Those story, you know, it could fail if those actors weren't good enough to pull it off. I love Mary Mauser uh, as his daughter in the show. And I love uh, the actress that plays his wife. Mm-hmm. It feels like, uh, a connected family in a way that sometimes fails in shows like this where the family's just the backdrop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I know Miracle's not a huge fan of not the show. Not a fan? Um, how how like, far did you get into it? Oh, in fact, I'd like your, like, um, why? Well, I said it was like too cheesy. I don't like cheesy action movies like this, mm. even though I love Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because <laughs> that's the exception. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But um, it's because like, I did grow up with the original Karate Kid, I forgot I did because I do have it somewhere in my old house. Um, I don't think it's cheesy. I think they go yeah. out of their way to make it Shades of Grey. Like the fact that Johnny is not portrayed as just a dumb villain. Well, I only said it was cheesy because like there's a moment where like um, I think it's in season three, the actress who plays as um, as Daniel's daughter where she's like, okay, I just need to breathe, meditate, and she goes like... And, like, she does this, and I'm like, that is so stereotypical yoga mom right there. And then she, like, punches, um, she punches Peyton Liss, and I'm like, wow, that's all you need to do? I need to start doing that and punch Brett in the face. <laughs> and that threw you out of it, that yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I'm done with this it's movie. It's a karate show. It's like, you have to make, you have to make yeah. concessions in certain areas. Right. Well... 
No, that, that criticism mm-hmm. has floated around from a lot of people. I, a yeah. lot of people that I know say this is just too cheesy for me. I don't really understand that criticism, but a lot of people seem to have that reaction. Yeah. I don't so. know. I'm just not into cheesy karate movies. You keep saying cheesy. I, I don't think one moment that comes off as cheesy uh, ne- necessarily makes the entirety of the process Well, I did cheesy. feel bad for the kid. Is his name Miguel? Miguel. Yeah. yeah I did feel bad for him when he got his back broken. Yeah. That's... Mm legitimately tragic and sad yeah not to mention his like the story not of miguel but of uh of robbie and his absentee the absentee mom and all the stuff that comes along with that like those are hard stories to tell crease is like cartoonish in places but then they find out like uh he got messed up from the war and Mm. never you know never after cobra kai fell he kind of just floated around like it's that actually like not rang true to me, mm-hmm. but like that's a very, very common story, right? Sure, like sure. trauma leads to you. You don't have some big failure. You just kind of lose yourself and you never find your way back or one failure means that you never, and you never find your way back to anything else. You yeah. just kind of exist and that's almost worse. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. a deep story for a show about karate, about rival karate dojos in California to, yeah. to work on. Right. Mm-hmm. Or in the same holds true for Johnny. Right. Like after that, like his life is kind of he works his uh, odd jobs and he's not really put together. He, he feels like a man uh, who lost his time. Yeah. He, he's living in an era that he doesn't understand. And to me, that is pretty deep mm-hmm. for such a ridiculous premise. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, it's not just it's not on the page necessarily. It's the way that the actors portray that yeah. experience. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I I really really fell in love with the first season. Yeah. Second season, I, I I dodged out. Dodged out. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I'm I just know. rewatching it with Brett, and I'm like, I'm okay. <laughs> Not for you. Got yeah, it. I'm like, you I guys can... are wrong. <laughs> well, I can do we know. without we know. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh to me, it's just one of those things. Like I'm so starved for things that seem to pay attention to fans that I give. Maybe it's mm. just maybe it's just that I give a lot of leeway. Maybe to you're things. a fanboy. I'm going to ignore her. <laughs> We're ignoring her. Um, like I'm, I'm starved for any type of medium within Hollywood that doesn't treat the fans like trash. That doesn't have the cast going around being like douches to people on Twitter. Uh, and, and it seems like, you know, given how well Spider-Man did, uh, if you treat the source <laughs> material well and you don't act insane on, you know, to your fans on social media, you can reap the benefits and shows like it's not easy, but it can be done. Yeah. And this is proof. This show has got five seasons now before the fourth even comes out. So mm-hmm. they clearly have a lot of faith in the show doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the foundation of this show was just so solid. Like, yeah. I loved that first season. I, and I loved how flawlessly they folded in all of these scenes from the original. Yes. It, it looked like they had been remastered, too, that, because yeah. they looked beautiful. That could have easily gone wrong, too. Yeah. And, and, and they don't overuse it. Yep. They don't overuse the old, the old footage like they could right. have. Right. So awesome. I, I just uh, like that's one of those things and they don't do like the, the cheesy flashback where it's like yep. it, it, it white uh, an additive dissolve hits and then all of a sudden uh, it mm-hmm. flashes back. It, it, it seamlessly fits into the into the, you know, into the scene that they're working in. And it does look like those shots have been remastered mm-hmm. and maybe filtered through for the digital process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Loved it. Big fan early on. Are you going to watch the fourth season when I watch it? Yeah, we're going to watch it together. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just I love how the fact that it's like 
your life is so rough, man. I know. <laughs> I just want to watch a Gretzko, and you said no to that. I just want to watch Red Panda struggle in the working life. We may watch Red Panda. That's the one that's coming out, right? No, that's called Turning Red. Turning. You're thinking about Disney. I'm talking about Gretzko. Season four already came out. Well, yeah, four seasons, which means that's a three-season commitment before <laughs> yeah. we get to season four. But it's yeah, so easy. You I do watch not them. have endless time you can watch mm -hmm. them all in one day that's a whole day <laughs> yeah yeah that's a lot that's, that's, a, that's a big commitment. and she has a christmas special where, where it's called metal day. it's called metal christmas and i love it i love it you can talk about it uh yeah someday. we can talk about you can it do a special episode just you and you can you can gush all you can fangirl i can talk <laughs> you can fangirl all over it i can pull andrew into this and go like you like metal let's talk about this there you go <laughs> but yeah i don't know i'm kind of excited that you're excited uh, yeah. even though it's a generation far from mine well it's like i mean technically karate kid isn't even really my generation it's the edge of my generation it's more my brother's yeah. generation than mine and yet you still grew up with it yeah, yeah. i did yeah. but i grew up with street fighter <laughs> and mortal Kombat. <laughs> it is also funny like they poke fun of elements through like without uh in a, in a tasteful way like when he does mm. like when people come to the auto dealership mm -hmm. and want to get pictures with him doing right. the crane kick like that's perfect like that's yeah. that's like it's not being rude about it because in it he's not happy that he's doing it he's kind of like yeah, yeah. so there's depth there yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I so like i don't know man i uh, i'm more excited than miracle but that's fine I just hope Netflix doesn't screw it up. You should yeah. watch it. You should watch I, I think you guys should watch I mean, that's I, I, like, Yeah, I, I probably you should. You know what Netflix can't screw up? Denzel Washington. Yes! We're, we're not doing Denzel Washington next, remember? <laughs> oh, <laughs> my bad. Well, they Miracle can't. sucks at, at transition. I forgot, it's okay. but they can screw up Logan Paul they, and ah, Jake Paul. That uh, I switched the order on her. I, was like, <laughs> I, I forgot for a little bit. That's, uh, gosh, gosh, you're... Why do we even keep her around? Because I'm adorable. Because you're here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, well, that's right. Because people like our banter. The banter where you say you tell me you're shopping online and I ask you why you're not paying attention. What are you talking about? I'm taking notes. And, uh, These are <laughs> Can we see your notes? Those are Can doodles. We see your notes? Those are doodles. These are, are important not notes. Very important notes of like <laughs> cartoon characters. These are important notes. I wrote Godzilla because I was like Cobra Kai. Okay. It makes total sense. <laughs> makes perfect sense. So okay, we will talk. We'll talk uh, Jake Paul because this is really funny. Uh, oh. Our friend Chris sent us this. Uh, <laughs> we talked yesterday about the no. We talked two days ago, two mm -hmm. episodes ago about the fight, obviously that he won. And then we talked yesterday about the Island Boys and how they got we uh, them Island Boys. I thought I'd never have to hear that again. Apparently, I, I have not escaped it. It's a trigger. It's if you a say it, then they, they yeah, say it. Yeah, you have to say it. I hear if you say Island Boys five times Island into a mirror boys. that they will just appear Dude, and well, give you a bad haircut and, and face <laughs> tattoos. Well, I mean, they did admit it that they signed a contract with the devil. That is the they did. famous. Yeah, yeah. Um, it shows. Mm -hmm. So th this is... The um, devil said, screw you. <laughs> this is from uh, Mail Online, and it's it's just it says... 
fight. Oh, by the way, um, before we get started, everyone put your tinfoil hats on uh, just in case. You have to have a tinfoil hat on if we're going to talk this. Sorry, I'm smelling a lot of Sharpie. I think they don't want my brains anymore. (laughs) That's possible. Thank you, Miracle. (laughs) The aliens would use your brain as a control group for research. They're Um, like, she smelled a little bit too much Sharpie. (laughs) We're not sure about this one. So it says, uh, fight fans claim that Jake Paul's brutal win over Tyrone Woodley was fixed. They put fixed in all caps. Uh, after spotting, the, U- uh, the YouTuber appears to make a hand signal just seconds before he delivered the knockout blow in round six of their rematch. So it says, J- <coughs> boxing fans have claimed Jake Paul's victory over Tyrone Woodley on Saturday was rigged to let the YouTuber win after spotting an alleged signal from the former, uh, from the former to hit the deck. Paul claimed victory in Tampa via a brutal right hand in round six the, that left the former UFC star Woodley, who lost to the streaming star via split decision back in August, floored after the blow. Mm. Uh, did either of you watch the knockout just out of curiosity? A to, little bit. It's, did you see the actual knockout? I, like, well, I watched a replay. Did you see yeah. any type of thing? that? Like, I saw what they're pointing at. They're basically, his hand goes like this. Yeah. He, like, motions inward. But I saw nothing that actually looked like a hand signal to me. No. Especially given how fast that sequence takes place in like five seconds, maybe. Like to expect him to like catch that and make that reaction in that time, I feel it's like that's almost giving them both too much credit. Right. Like it's more likely that he just got lucky, caught him, uh, caught him with his hands down and knocked him out. Well, it's the same thing like um, Mayweather and McGregor. Like they're just boxers that cash in just the audience. But so maybe was, they're that, just acting it out. Yeah, but that was di- that was advertised as an exhibition, meaning yeah. like there was not going to be any knockout at all. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm just like I'm not interested in this anymore. Like Jake Paul and Logan Paul kind of ruined it. But they, isn't, isn't this in some sense the equivalent of the people that just like microanalyze certain frames from trailers? Yeah. Like we were talking mm-hmm. about yep. Batman last time. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a lot there, but what do, what do you think? I don't think there's anything. I, I no. think that uh, it's very easy if you're not doing an extremely uh, labor-intensive physical activity to... Uh, it's like... Um, oh, I can't use that example here on this show. But uh, I was watching something recently where they're, they're literally... Um, they're analyzing something that happens by frame. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they're saying... And they're attributing thought processes to each frame that they're analyzing. And I'm like, that's not how the brain works. Right. That's not... I, like not something that happens in that split second of time you don't get to attribute uh intent and like different intent and different thought processes to something that you're processing in real time meaning you're watching a a tenth of a or a thirtieth of a second um in over a five minute period if something explains it to you that's not the same thing as being able to legitimately look at movement and see intent there I saw nothing right. here that looked like uh, any type of hand signal or if it was they mastered it very very uh, well yeah yeah uh, and I, I didn't see that here um, I mean I'm always willing to entertain the possibility of a conspiracy yeah who doesn't love a good conspiracy but yeah i just i just didn't really see it here you know it says uh, and fans have hit uh hit uh hit out after the fight uh, over the accusation that it was prearranged to let paul win one fan took a a video of the alleged signal before capturing it quote rigged the twist of the hand to let him know it's time to flop i mean his hand was like down here Mm. like very very hard to see Mm -hmm. and another thing about this is uh i've read uh 
you you're going to jail like that the, the you're you're like this the fines are huge and you can get jail time for fraud for fixing mm-hmm. fights uh mm-hmm. because it's it's through the boxing commission right yeah. so there's very very strong consequences not to mention <clears throat> the the network showtime would lose their right to do How any type of promotion are losing money just betting on these two yeah mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah i'm sure that these are like there's odds for this stuff in vegas right mm-hmm. but uh they but th- then again they do the same thing where they do odds in vegas for like wrestlemania matches and that's legitimately that's, that's legitimately uh prearranged so mm. like i would love to find out that like vince mcmahon actually made all his money by betting in vegas on his own product <laughs> like that would be really funny to me but uh so more people go into it. I, I just don't think there is much here as they think there is. This is another tweeted. Maybe it's not the punch. Uh, maybe it's not that the punch was fake though. It's that he was ready to take a dive and Paul went for it enough to actually drop him convincingly. Mm-hmm. Eh, maybe like maybe, 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 but I don't, I don't see like everyone gets in trouble. If you fake this, everyone mm-hmm. and considering how much money comes in from various uh from these networks to to broadcast stuff like that are they really gonna risk it on one on one fight mm. no that doesn't make any sense I'm, I'm looking at this tweet here no fighter would ever eat that right hand without at least moving their head to try i mean this is armchair quarterback exactly the definition <laughs> yeah. of yeah. armchair quarterback and then like, attributing a conspiracy behind yeah. it I, yeah. that was like the part that like that's that to me those are people that have never actually like right embarked on something of their own like that that's the quintessential internet commenter right they've mm-hmm. never actually tried to create something or to uh do one of these things themselves they've watched a lot of boxing and then they're making that uh assumption based on like uh what they think a pro fighter would do but these guys aren't pro fighters like it's possible that he just caught him slipping in fact that's probable it's yeah. most likely what happened more likely yeah definitely uh and like i said they keep referring to this twist of the wrist that i just didn't see as noticeable enough to really say that it's not like he got a nod back from the other guy uh, <laughs> like it, now if, now if he's like he's like doing a weird yeah, wink like a, uh, he winks at him <laughs> and the other guy's okay like you do that maybe yeah. but we're not seeing that here it's like this is definitely like uh, it's like um pareidolia right like they're seeing something that in the mm-hmm. a vague shape of something and that's completely different and they're attributing much more to it than what's actually there it's jesus yeah. exactly it's it's <laughs> jesus is part of my cheese sandwich or, yeah. or th- was it an omelet it was it, it was it, a tortilla chip okay it was a tortilla that had jesus on it i think he's been on toast he's been, he's been yeah. on that's toast the one, also that's the, one, that's the one i'm thinking of is toast he's been on tortilla chips um toast walls he's got a good shower. agent Jesus has a good agent. That's all it is. <laughs> he has a good agent, and he's bringing in lots of deals even after, even after it all. Mm. So it says, some fans, however, claim the knockout blow is genuine and defended the undefeated Paul for producing another stellar display in the ring. One fan said, if anyone thinks this was rigged, either as stupid as F or never watched boxing a day in their lives, y'all discredit no matter what. Shut the F up or step in the ring yourself and do, uh, and, and do better good, and, and do better good win tonight. I don't know what that means, um, but the point English is much. what they what they're saying makes sense, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, if you if you think that that's fake, then go and do it yourself, and you'll see how hard it would be to actually fake something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another claimed, I despise Jake Paul, but it was actually a good clean shot. It was coming. I called it ten seconds before. You could see the right hand loading up. Not rigged. No payout. Tyrone, Tyrone messed up big time and was slept for it. So. <laughs> another one that's funny to see is how many people are like, I hate Jake Paul, but, 
And then mm-hmm. they continue to, to go into the fact that they actually like, it looks legit, legit. And I hate to admit that because I would love for Jake Paul to get caught mm-hmm. uh, screwing this up and actually admitting that yeah, he had somehow uh, <laughs> set this up beforehand. Now that would be a heck of a story. They could be, they, and they could be raw on the fact that the, the McGregor and Floyd one was like advertised as an exhibition and a lot of people didn't know that. They mm. went out of their way to not exactly mention that in, in a lot of the advertising mm. because it was bringing in so much money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I don't wow. know. I just don't keep up with um, fighting anymore. I'm like, I'm done. Were you, were you <laughs> anymore? Did you <laughs> did you follow boxing or MMA at some point? A little bit, yeah. Okay, interesting. Well, why did you? What made you lose interest? I don't know. I just don't like it when they have people who are influencers like Jake Paul and Logan Paul like ruining the sport because they're just doing it. Are you trying to mock me? Oh, no, I thought you were mocking me. I mean, I'm going to mock you in a couple seconds, but I haven't yet. You're ascribing something to a look, but it didn't happen. Yeah, you're being these people. (laughs) I was like, let me listen here, mister. Don't mock me. I'm not mocking you. Duke's up. Um, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, Wrestling has the same thing, oddly enough, where when people who don't wrestle come in and try to do it, and then you realize how difficult of a mm. a sport. I mean, people don't like people calling it a sport. It's it's basically high impact performance art. Yeah. I used to, I used yeah. to love wrestling. Me I too. watch wrestling news, but when you it, it's it's like it's like anything like this. You don't notice it when it's good, but you really notice it when it's bad. Mm, so definitely. like when uh, people can talk all the crap they want on stuff like this, but until they actually see somebody try to do it that doesn't do it well, they don't realize how hard it actually is because the people doing it make it look easy. Mm-hmm. So boxing's a little bit different, right? I mean, yeah. the uh, form matters. Uh, you technique. can't really mess up a punch. Just well, saying. You can... I think you can mess up a punch. Like you, acting wise, I don't think you can. Yeah, there's not a performative element to it yeah. necessarily. It's it's more about the the, the craft than the mm-hmm. art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was a big WWF fan too. Yep. I mean, like that was in many ways that was my introduction to what performance can be. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I remember like uh, growing up in the mountains of Kentucky and. Every uh, Saturday night, they'd shut down the flea market. I bet. And those they those had, territories were huge. Yeah, yep. yeah, man. And then they would uh, set up a, a a ring. And I remember like really appreciating what performance was because I went on one Saturday night and there was this guy that was uh, like kind of a clown character and was always losing. Yeah, like Jobber. just yeah, yeah. It always lost, always in tears and crying. You yep. know, p- playing it up. And then you go back the next Saturday night and a different character, different yeah. ca- same guy, different character, yep. but he'd be like whipping everybody. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this is great. <laughs> what, one of the funniest things I've tried, I've seen people like, they're like, it's fake. And like, yes, it's predetermined. I'm like, but if you actually look at like when they'll put like regular people through like a day of boot camp mm. and they have what's called like ring shape, meaning like you can yeah. be that you can be in the best shape of your life, but that's not the same thing as being able to, run a match for 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, a, a funny story is that Stone Cold Steve Austin lists as like one of his favorite accomplishments. He, he was going through his uh, WrestleMania 17 match with The Rock and his favorite part of the match after he wins is that he pops up on his feet and he's not out of breath after like a 30 minute match. And like, <laughs> yeah. like that's something that only somebody in the industry would really yeah. notice. I but, learned that from the Simpsons because there was an episode where he did boxing and they're like, you don't have to punch because you suck. You just need a like 
outlasts your opponent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's and, so and cool. that's where, so so they'll put like people who are you know you could be an athlete, but putting them through ring uh, through ring drills and stuff like that, and they're blown up, they can barely breathe and stuff like that, and the, and then you find out that these things have there's heavy injuries that can come with this stuff, yeah. and they do it 300 days a year back in the day. Like that's I don't know insane. if it's still like that. They they don't run house shows as much as they used to, especially with COVID. But mm-hmm. in that era, they're on the road 300 days a year doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to be in insane shape to be able to do any of these sports but, but on top of the the physical endurance that's required i mean there's the performative element and that's mm-hmm. what makes it so singular yep. in terms of performance art and you know i mean it's like that, that's what's really incredible to me about when you think about art forms like that i mean it's mm-hmm. that juxtaposition of all these different skills and talents that are necessary in yep. order to like pull off an awesome performance and it's very much its own thing like they yeah. like one of the reasons wwe and we're getting off topic here but that's fine it is, what it is. <laughs> um, one of the reasons You've already that, discredited this story one of exactly. the reasons that people have such a hard time watching it now is that they bring in like hollywood writers to write these uh to write these storylines but it's not a Hollywood medium. It doesn't right. work that way. Uh, and stories get like, they'll, they'll run a, a plot line, you know, like a storyline for like three weeks and then they just abandon it. And like, mm-hmm. they, they don't plan well because the companies are so vast and massive now. And there's so much media to consume right. that it's very hard to keep everything straight. Like the best storylines almost without fail are extremely simple because it allows those characters to convey uh, heartfelt or not heartfelt, but you know, raw, very, very visceral emotions. It's mm. usually, you know what it is, mm-hmm. right? It's usually mm-hmm. loss or pain or revenge. It's something very, very um, primitive. Ba- primitive and it's base. primitive, yeah. Uh, yeah. So when they try to get more complicated, it just doesn't work. Right. Uh, Daniel Bryan was successful because he's an underdog. An underdog story is a classic uh, human tale, right? The mm-hmm. the guy who comes from out of nowhere and against all odds beats the bigger guy. It's he, all those things are very, very base human instincts when we think of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so if they can barely do that in the WWE, well, I I, lo- I struggle to think that Logan Paul and them could fake uh, fake this. Maybe yeah. they could, but that's uh, I, I, I personally don't I, just I don't, don't buy, buy it. it. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go ahead and uh, nudge Miracle and make sure that she's awake over there? Are you? Oh, I'm awake. I'm awake. <laughs> are you? I'm awake? just waiting for Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> You and every other woman alive. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, I've got Denzel for you. Thank right. you. And this is a and this is a sad one too because I don't know if this is true, but it, it bums me out if it is. Uh, well, bas- he is kind of getting older. Oh yeah, he's he's up there in age now. But it says, is Denzel Washington close to retiring uh, uh, from acting? A journal for uh, the the a journal for Jordan director. That's the name of his new uh, new project. Uh, shares thoughts on his career. So. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be retiring soon, but we'll see here. And I also have a, a question I want to ask you about uh, some surveys that have been coming up, uh, coming up online. So it says, could Denzel Washington be hanging up his acting chops? It seems like more big names in Hollywood are putting their acting careers on the back burner for other endeavors, both, uh, see, both in the film industry and outside of it. Denzel Washington's latest, A Journal for Jordan, sees him sitting in the director's chair instead of acting in front of the camera. But could he totally be done with acting soon? Well, the 66-year-old star recently opened up about his plans on moving forward. Now, uh, and now that he is, quote, in the, yellow leaf of his, in the yellow leaf of his career. Is that a saying? Yellow leaf? I've never heard it's that before. It's new to me. That's a brand new one. I'm guessing yeah. that that's supposed to mean like, uh, like you know, his autumn years. He, he's in the winter of his... Uh, yeah. He's in the in the 
autumn years of his career. So it says the training day alum alum seems to have pretty much done it all at this point in his life. So when it comes to his acting career, he told ET that he's quote looking to do other things here. Here it is in his own words, quote, I'm about the challenges at this point, like the character I'm in the yellow leaf of my career. So oh, this is his statement there. Mm-hmm. to be quite honest, l- looking to do other things so far as act, uh, So as far as acting, I'm going to have to be, it's going to have to be an extreme challenge for me to be interested. I've been talking to one or two top directors in the business and we're talking about maybe doing something. There's not much left for me to do as an actor, maybe Lear. Mm. I was going to do King Lear. Mm. Yeah. Um, I-, I could see him taking over directing like That's more true. more frequently he's a he's a fan of the he loves the art right mm-hmm. right mm. he's he's kind of like a a more prolific and i don't mean this to like daniel day lewis like they they're only going to take the roles that really speak to them mm-hmm. he's got his regular you know what look like money money projects but the vast majority of his work is top notch yeah right and, and I, I would imagine the roles just aren't there anymore yeah they're like not. they're just not they're not the quality of the work that they're offering him it's because like the last movie that he did as an actor was Macbeth yep. with one of the Cohen brothers right yeah. yeah like speaking about that like the yellow leaf he actually referenced it from Macbeth it's oh, from Shakespeare is it wow. I, didn't, I didn't know that I forgot, I forgot you love Shakespeare yeah Very and good. I just searched it up it's from act five scene three Oh mm. wow! Maybe he was like, is, does he do theater? I don't know if he does theater. He has, yeah, he mm-hmm. did okay. uh, Julius Caesar a few years back. I Maybe think. he's like doing Macbeth on Broadway, and that was just on his mind. Yeah, basically, mm. it's a metaphor. As Macbeth has reached middle age, his life has dried up like a leaf turning yellow in autumn. Wow! Oh, wow! Mm. Fascinating miracle with the fu- miracles. Fun facts for the day. Yep, nailed yes. it. Uh, so it says Denzel Washington has long been a jewel in, Holly, uh, in the Hollywood crown of actors, but he's also helmed other movies besides A Journal for Jordan. He stepped into the role of director a number of times in his career, most notably with Fences, in which he also acted alongside Viola Davis. He puts a lot of thought into his work, he chooses, and that's not surprising in the entertainment sphere. Washington has definitely become a face and name that fans can expect greatness from, and he really cares about the work he puts out. As much as fans love seeing him in front of the camera, he certainly has stage presence to rival, any, to rival anyone in the business. I would argue that that's not just true, but he has a uh, subtle stage presence. He's not mm. over the top, and he is not um, mm. uh, boisterous, which makes it even harder to be understated and have that same level of presence, which is very, very difficult. Mm. Uh, it makes sense that the star would want to be looking for other outlets at this time. The man has won two Oscars for acting and has played a number of iconic roles, having portrayed just about everything from the major... From major historical figures to cops who tow the line of the law. <laughs> While the Malcolm X icon is far from a typecast actor, it sounds like he's down to only pursue roles that present a big challenge to him. He may say that there isn't much left he hasn't done as an actor, but writers are coming up with, are coming up with new ideas all the time. And then it says, well, maybe not as much since Hollywood is in its remake phase. I was going to say, yeah. are they really? Yeah, I was just like, no, they're are not. Are they really? Uh-huh. No, no. I, I would say, like, to your point, I think the the roles just aren't there. Yeah. That I bet you what they're. I, I bet you he gets a thousand scripts a, re- a week, and they're the most stereotyped, uh, cookie cutter things that mm-hmm. anyone could ever imagine. And he's just like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a comic book writer named Christopher Priest, um, who for years wrote all sorts of comics. Wrote Daredevil. Wrote Punisher. You know, everything. Right. I don't mm-hmm. remember if he did Punisher, but as the industry got more and more progressive, uh, he would, you know, Black Panther, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Static Shock. They're, they're only going to give you 
the role they, they, you know he uh, this black character has to be written by a black uh, writer so he's been typecast and mm-hmm. so he left and did his own thing he's like I don't need this like mm-hmm. I'm I'm a good enough writer I can make it on my own I don't need your hand-me-downs you know because you think I fit some image that needs to be done to write this character right uh, he wants to write he's like the challenge as a writer should be that you don't necessarily understand everything about somebody's lived experience but you can still bring it to life make mm-hmm. it real so maybe what he's seeing is like, I don't want to play stereotypical roles that you think uh, fit me. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to do something different. I want to be able to take that challenge as an actor and bring it to, and bring it to, the, you know, to the world through the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what Angelina Jolie is doing too, where she's not mm-hmm. acting as much anymore. There's still roles for her, but she is directing. Like mm-hmm. she directed I didn't that. didn't know that. Yeah. She mm-hmm. directed the movie. Um, First they killed my father. It's about the Khmer Rouge and like the Pol Pol killing all mm-hmm. the um, Cambodian people. So it created the Cambodian genocide. And that has some. I'm guessing that has something to do with her kids. Like um, one of her not, kids is adopted. From it Cambodia. inspired. Yeah. Oh, okay. And her other kid is adopted from Vietnam. Not gonna criticize her for doing that, but like Vietnam kind of created it. That's mm. enough politics for the day. Thank you. Yes. We're, <laughs> yes. we're going to just slide right past that one. But uh, I, I figured like when you mentioned mm-hmm. that it had something to do with the Cambodian. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, so like likely it hit home for her. So she felt yeah. like there was a story there that she could latch on to mm. yeah. and bring to life. And fun fact about Angelina Jolie, she has a tattoo that she got in Cambodia where like she got it from a priest where it's scripts and it's supposed to protect you. Mm. So oh. it's actually blessings. So she's really tied to that, mm-hmm. to that, uh, that culture. culture. Yeah. yeah she the culture. loves them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like she adopted Maddox from there mm-hmm. and I forgot what her other son is named, but like, she loves that culture so much, mm-hmm. but like basically Denzel is going through the same phase as her where they're kind of done with acting now. They want to direct. Well, I think that, I think that Denzel is just a, a irrepressible performer. Mm-hmm. I think yep. he wants to perform, but I also kind of sense a, a parallel with Tom Cruise's career. Yeah. Like uh, if you look at the, past few movies he's done save for a few examples Macbeth Roman J mm-hmm. uh, Israel Esquire mm-hmm. whatever that movie was called <clears throat> that he was nominated for an Oscar for yeah um, he it's mainly action stuff yep. yes and with Tom Cruise who took a lot of gambles mm-hmm. in uh, his like 40s 30s 40s as an actor he's not taking any of those gambles anymore like yeah. it's just no vanilla sky for you <laughs> dude man I, that, that by the way that's a movie that needs a whole wall-to-wall reevaluation we, uh, yeah. we watch that here yeah me and me Tim and did, Allison did, and yeah we watch you guys get it or was it awful? I, I don't like it. Oh, but that's Lord, just, man. Uh, I love that movie. That's, a lot of people love that. I get yeah. it. I, I get why they love it, but mm-hmm. it's just, it, it doesn't really work for me. I do love, it's at this funny in-between time in technology. <laughs> um, he's got like a big screen TV in the yeah. middle of his room and it's just, like you could kill someone if you dropped it on someone. It's so it, it's so huge. I used it's to so have funny. a TV like, like that. Yeah, I don't know if anybody saw Scream One when he, she dumps the when she dumps the tube TV on top of uh, a Stu's head. Yeah, yeah. But holy crap, this TV is just a like it looks like a wall. <laughs> That's in the really funny. Um, uh, but he, you're right. Like he isn't really doing like what the equalizer. Right. And then he had to have like find out that Queen Latifah is now playing the equalizer on television. <laughs> A collective eye roll in really it's from mm-hmm. everyone like mm-hmm. no sorry yeah um I don't remember I didn't see he can't senses. enjoy any of the Me fruits neither. of his old I'm age. familiar with the play it's it's a really great play by August Wilson mm-hmm. if you want if you want to see just how stellar performer uh, Denzel is go to YouTube and look up a side by side clip well it, it, one clip plays before the other but they show James Earl Jones yeah. playing a scene have you seen this 
James Earl Jones plays a scene from Fences in like the 80s in the mm-hmm. original production. And then right after that, you see Denzel play the same scene. I haven't scene. seen this. I'll have to look oh, at it. Oh, man. It's like watching a, a, a boomer actor versus like, I don't know, is he Gen X? He's too old to be Gen X. No, no, oh, I think no, he's probably Gen X. No, no, he... Denzel? Yeah. Denzel is a boomer. He's a boomer? James Earl Jones is the great greatest generation. generation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So this sure. is, well, in any case, you just <laughs> see these two acting styles side by side. And Which is weird, too, because James Earl Jones is a fantastic actor. It's just so laborious mm-hmm. and, like, so presentational and theatery. It's, it's his thing. Yeah. He's got that. With that voice, you almost have to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you can't, you can't do flippant with that voice. Check out these clips, man. There's it's, a, like, it's incredible. There, I just found them, and they look good yeah. da- james earl jones did a single it's so funny he just randomly did an episode of the show house <laughs> and it's really funny because it's like he puts pretty like as he's acting with everyone it looks like he's barely trying and he's still like outclassing everyone wow. he's next to except for hugh laurie mm-hmm. uh-huh. um uh, i love just think about this we could make uh, there i know that they're like remaking the sandlot right now yeah we could get him in the sandlot still <laughs> that's true he could still be alive in the sandlot more balls could be coming over the fence and okay so we're gonna you know what we got a lot more to talk about on this topic because i wanted to tie it in with this hilarious debate that's going on first of all before we get into that i do want to say you're we're talking scripts like maybe the scripts just aren't there yeah. if you want to look at his uh I'll, I'll read you off his like bio and it's just really funny as you see the the roles like the the mm-hmm. iconic nature of these movies just starts to just mm-hmm. dovetail. So yeah. in just between 2000 uh, and 2010, say you go from uh, remember the Titans and the Hurricane and the in the Bone Collector. Everyone hates the Bone Collector. I love the Bone Collector. That's mm-hmm. like the late nineties. But then you have Man Man on Fire, the Manchurian Candidate, Deja Vu, Inside Man. Uh, the Taking of Pelham One Two Three, The Book of Eli, Unstoppable, oh, Safe House, and I skipped my favorite because uh, I do want to ask everyone what their favorite Denzel Washington movie is of all time. American Gangster, which mm. is my favorite Denzel movie of all time. That's a great movie. It is a fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Movie. I really like that movie a lot. Um, do you have a favorite? Oh, but then we go into so then we go up to past Safe House. We get Two Guns. Mm-hmm. The Equalizer was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Magnificent Seven, Fences, uh, Roman uh, Roman J. Esqu- uh, Israel the Esquire, Roman yeah. J. Israel Esquire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never yeah. saw it. Uh, the Equalizer Two, The Little Things, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Those other ones carry so much weight behind them. Mm-hmm. And the other ones, like there's good ones there. The Magnificent Seven was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Equalizer was fine for what it was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone actually. Saw, I never saw Two Guns. So, uh, but the the you know those roles that he had were he was already getting up there in age when he was doing this. So he was in his forties, I bet, uh, yeah. or fifties when he was doing those roles. Yeah. So and, and that's and, and that's just the. 2000s we're, we're skipping past the fact that we've got the 90s with the siege he got game i love mm-hmm. that movie uh, that's that's up there in my top three courage under fu- awesome. yeah malcolm x mm-hmm. courage under fu- yeah uh much ad- much ado about nothing yeah philadelphia uh crimson tide mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. virtuosity nobody's i virtuosity is like one of the most iconic covers of all time yeah, yeah um, <laughs> uh, just so many movies uh i never saw saint elsewhere but that's also far before my time so like he's just got all these roles that are so iconic like does the dude need to act? nobody who's done what he's done needs to act unless they uh he just doesn't need to anymore he can only he only has mm-hmm. to take projects that really speak to him he right. can be the next james bond even though Henry Cavill is. I want him to be. I, I still want Henry Cavill to maybe lose some of the muscle and, and take over. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I can um, see that. 
right. So uh, the the debate here is uh, Will Smith or Denzel Washington. Ooh. I grew up with Will Smith and Denzel, but I kind of identify more with Will Smith. That's really tough because, because like, I was born and raised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and whoever I was talking about Prince. was mm-hmm. giving yeah, me, me too. Me too. Uh, and that's before her time, but they're saying that not, like her generation identifies heavily with the '90s. Yep, yeah. we do. Like, um, I remember I was so excited because I passed by a bookstore and they like had a mural of Will Smith as like um uh, Will Smith from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, no and it was like re- it was advertising like his his new uh, book, his new book yeah. that he released in like November, and I was so excited. <laughs> I was so like. And I'm excited for that role that he did about the Serena, uh, Serena Williams and Venus Real, uh, yeah. Williams. That's out right now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to watch it because I love tennis. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I played tennis for four years in high school. I learned in second grade. Wow. Yeah. I want, like, if I had kids, I want to teach my kids how to play tennis because mm-hmm. I, I love that sport. But, like, Will Smith does portray that character so well, mm-hmm. even though it's based on real people. But, like, I just think he's really good. And I love the... Um, was it Book of Eli that Denzel was in? Yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed that movie. I actually, the more I look at the the roles, I actually do have a hard, like it's a harder choice than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I still say Denzel, but that's purely on the snobbish like. Mm-hmm. Per- mm-hmm. I would say mm-hmm. that Will Smith has. Uh, I prefer her. Um, her. I mean him in comedy roles instead of like action roles. Mm. Uh, no offense, Will Smith, but like for action roles, Denzel, but Denzel, comedy, Will. Denzel's made better movies. Mm-hmm, he has. That's that's what kind well, of tears let's, me. Let's we we went through his right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's go through some of Will's. Like I think there's things here that people might have forgot about, like that he was a rapper. H- Hancock, which I love. Mm. Yeah, uh, that one was good. Um. I mean, he's also made probably made more bad. Maybe he's made. Maybe it's Will Smith's been part of more bad movies. Bad Men, Boys and Bad Boys Two mm. are fantastic. You forgot Men in Black. Men in Black, Men in Black is, good, is yeah. fantastic. Independence Day, mm-hmm. a huge part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Enemy Same of here, the yeah. Enemy of the State. Yeah, uh, was big. Ali, I was. Uh, there's a great story about Ali and uh, how they got Michael Mann mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. direct it, and how uh, was it not Spike Jones, but. Um, Who's the other? Not Spike Jones. Spike, uh, Lee. Spike Lee. Spike Lee okay. wanted to uh, wanted to direct it, uh, and will and, and, and believe that only uh, somebody that uh, could identify with the black experience would be able to direct that movie. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith said, "No, Michael Mann is the man to make this movie." Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, wow. Let's go, Will. Yep. Because so, Spike Lee kind of gets on my nerves now. Yep. So <laughs> bad boys. Hap- not untalented though. Yeah, that's true. No, no, of course not. Mm-hmm. That was just a, an interesting story that I came. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pursuit mm-hmm. of Happiness. Yes. Uh, very, very good. Um, and there's also a lot of music videos in here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, iRobot. A lot of people love iRobot still. Mm-hmm. I Am Legend. Uh, I Am Legend. I love that. That kind of made me tear up with the dog scene. After mm-hmm. Earth will forgive him for After Earth. Sure, but I don't, sure. th- I don't mm-hmm. know if that was his fault. Um, concussion, a lot of people love. That got like rave reviews. I, I mm-hmm. didn't see it, but that was the no. one about the person who discovered CTE, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, concussion syndrome. Uh, Bright. Uh, that movie, okay. I'm so upset, but they came out with a lot of good music. And this is when Machine Gun Kelly was still a rapper. It was fire. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> but yeah. have you watched the anime series of it? Me? No. Oh. Mm-mm. Man, it was so good because, like, basically, uh, the, there's, like, a little elf, and she was supposed to be a prostitute, and then, like, the ogres came. And, like, they're murdering everybody in the um, 
in the geisha hall and they, sounds great yeah yeah and what happened was um the guy who's supposed to be the bodyguard of the geisha hall like he saved her and one of the orcs saved her too and they're mm-hmm. trying to like figure out like what's going on and she has the bright the bright hmm. yes you lost me at elf yep <laughs> <laughs> sorry i love fantasy like um weird fun fact uh, about me i really like fantasy like it, it why is that weird well like no no because like a lot of people don't realize i like old english mm. i really like old english if you have like a olden english accent i'm like hello mm. how so you, are you do you just go troll a lot of castles and look for people <laughs> old? i go <laughs> we actually talked it's funny because you mentioned that because me and yeah. nick were talking through because uh, we've been we started season two of the witcher the other night yeah and i was explaining to him i'm like high fantasy really isn't my thing and I, i'd never really been able to really put my finger on why mm-hmm. I love Lord of the Rings as much because as anybody. The mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and what I kind of realized is, it, but I, at the same time, I have like a an, a deep affection for shows that are like very clearly not like they, they take that material uh, and they're not the the most accurate with it. Like, mm-hmm. there's a show called Merlin from like 2008. I love that show, sure, and sure. it's very very modern in mm-hmm. most way. Like, it, it uses the language, but not really. You know. Mm-hmm. They, they use phrases that are very clearly of, of current year, even though they're saying it in a, what is supposed to be an older, old mm-hmm. English accent. Yes. Uh, so, like, when I try to think of, like, maybe it's because, like, I love dialogue. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. really an action guy. Like, if an action movie isn't, uh, doesn't contain a strong dialogue and strong uh, vocal interplay between people, I can't really get into then it. Then did you read the, the whole series of Lord of the Rings? I never read the books. I only saw the movies. Okay, I only read The Hobbit, but it was so funny. Like, I read the ending part, and I fell asleep. (laughs) I was, like, so happy I finished it. (laughs) So for me, like, I get lost. Like, it's the these and the thys and the thus. Uh, Thys shall go to hell. Yeah, like, I I get pulled out of it in a way. My ADHD brain kind of turns off, and I think that's why I have a harder time connecting with that type of material. Mm -hmm. Mm. We're kind of off on a tangent here. but I could totally see that. Yeah, Um, Yeah, well, then that means you don't really like Shakespearean speech too because they do that a lot I love it like I'm into that like take me to a renaissance fair let's go keep me away from a renaissance fair literally Shakespeare's (laughs) most overrated writer of all time that's boom that's shots fired that's true but I like the accents Mm. that's all I care about I hate the accents too we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on this one amen come on Uh, but I don't like the hygiene back then (laughs) I think I don't buckets to, oh, good to, thing. Good thing you, you were mentioning. born when you were born. <laughs> I will say that I, I I do think that maybe it's that Denzel has made more um good like better movies. Definitely. Will Smith mm-hmm. has uh entered more films that have become part of the cultural zeitgeist, mm-hmm. meaning that his sure. have more cultural relevance. Come on, to Men po- in Black to what we're talking mm-hmm. about here, which is popular culture. Yeah. Will Smith has probably had more of an impact to the film to cinema. Denzel Washington is committed exactly. more to mm-hmm. the role, so maybe. So as I said, this uh, what I love is like in that we like. There's a joke in like the the comics community where it's like for an, for uh, for like a, a medium that you can have like literally anything happen. There's certain things you're just not allowed to like, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, or like in movies, you're not allowed to like Michael Bay Transformers movies. Oh. You're, you're not allowed to like you know uh, the Zack Snyder bat you know uh, Justice League or Batman movies. You're just you know there's just certain things you. Not, you're not allowed to like it. Mm-hmm. Even if other people uh, can tell you why they hate it, you telling them why you like it is, is somehow like void because it goes against the cultural narrative at the mm-hmm. time. So maybe it's just that Denzel has uh, done more for cinema and Will has done more for popular culture. That's exactly That's right. 
Yeah. That is so true. Yeah. But I, I we can't move on until I mention my favorite Denzel movie. I don't I don't think you did though. Did you mention your favorite Denzel movie? Um I said Book of Eli is my favorite. Book of Eli. Mm-hmm. And yours? Uh well, he got game, I love. Yep. Training mm-hmm. Day is just a Training transcendent is... performance. Did I even mention Training Day? Nope. Was... Did I, I not think mention... so. I th- I went I must have It was a 2000 right movie. Past... It was a 2001 I think. Yeah. Oh, 2001. Yeah. Okay. So uh, training Day, yes, but I think the the main performance of Denzel's that I love is Flight. Oh I, yeah, I, I, never, I never saw it, dude. Oh my god, Flight. we need to watch that. Uh, another Flight. iconic it's cover. Zemeckis. Yeah, uh, another yeah. iconic cover. It's mm. it's a masterpiece from Robert Zemeckis, and it is so great. It's a, do you know the premise? No. So he's a a, a, a pilot who's an alcoholic. Okay. And it's he's not like Sully. Huh? No, it's not no. like Sully. So he he's uh, flying, and um, you know he's just going through his flight like usual, about about ready to land. And he pops a couple of little vodka bottles open and throws them back, and then he goes back to the cockpit. And then there's like this major problem that happens, and oh, he no. has to like deal with it. And he ends up getting everybody there safe, probably because he's buzzed and he's yeah. like thinking at that alcoholic yeah. level, you know. But there are some casualties. Okay. And then there's like this major investigation. And they would have had to do like a, a test. Oh, yeah. De- te- okay. Te- yeah, test, toxicology reports, going through the debris. Like where did these bottles come from? It Holy is, crap. It is arresting. It is one of the best movies ever made. I love Flight. You got to see it. I'll have to see that. Yeah, wow. It's tremendous. And his performance is so good. And and it's so good throughout it. And it's really hard to play drunk. I was, I was just going to say, I was like, I had. It's really I, hard. I was, uh, I was talking to someone recently about, like, uh, a lot of people who follow me, like, on Instagram would never know that I care about this stuff because mm. I just post skating there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you looked at, like, I used to, I don't post on Twitter anymore, but I used to post a lot on Twitter, and it's just nothing but stuff I love about movies and television. <laughs> and there was, like, a scene from a TV show, and I can't even recall the name of the the actor off the top of it, but I said, this guy plays drunk, but, like, do you, I don't, do you know how hard it is to yeah. play drunk? It's very difficult to act drunk in a convincing way. Mm-hmm. He's not overdoing it. It's, it's like he's managed to make his eyes look almost glazed, and he holds them, like, halfway open better than the average person would be able to, and he has, like, a slight, a slight sway to how he moves that wouldn't be there otherwise. Mm-hmm. Very difficult to play it, drunk. Yeah, and, and to see him really nail that is just... You could see that that was one of the things, this is one of the roles that he's not going to get right now, yeah. Mm-hmm. As you see, he was just like, wow, this is the challenge of my career so yeah. far. How do I play this guy? And and the performance is so brilliant throughout. And not only does he play drunk brilliantly, but the performance builds to a crescendo to where he's basically at a breaking point in his life. And there's this one final scene where it just all explodes. And mm-hmm. it just, it, it's so good. Flight. Dang, you gotta to see, see it. it. Yeah. Dang, I can't believe I missed that one. Another iconic cover. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I can picture that cover even without seeing the movie. It's him yeah. with the hat and the. Yeah, yeah. It's, and he's the kind airplane. of. He's forty-five degrees. It's a blue yeah. cover. I, yeah. I can. I can literally picture that. He's got the coat. And and there's this is the last movie that I can remember. Robert Zemeckis re, being really playful with the camera in the same way that he was in like Back to the Future yeah. and, and yeah. even Forrest Gump. Like you'll have these shots where you see you know like one. He's like throwing back one bottle. And then, you know, the camera will pivot around and it'll pull back and you see there's like 50 bottles that were oh, hidden man. before. It's so good. Yeah. Can't recommend it enough. Did you see the trailer yesterday that I posted for The Northman? No, I didn't. Okay, but, but we'll talk about it off air, but okay. go watch uh, the trailer for The Northman. I think you're going to really like I that. I watched it I so many times. Yep. 
I loved it too much. Okay. Uh, I think we do Cowboy Bebop. Yee. I, you want to do Cowboy Bebop? <coughs> do yep. cowboy. I asked, but I'm like, too bad. We're going to do Cowboy Bebop. And then I have a perfect outro for it, too. This is uh, this is one of those funny topics. Um, a rare example of what would I would consider like introspection from someone in Hollywood, uh, which is very rare in my current, in my opinion, in current year. Uh, a, a certain amount of introspection is fairly rare. Uh, and this is from Bounding Into Comics, and it says Netflix's Cowboy Bebop star Mustafa Shakir on series cancellation. Maybe the haters and the critics got us. Maybe it wasn't as good as we thought. Mm-hmm. Um. What they call haters uh, or trolls, that's the one they always use, like, internet trolls. I'm like, they're not internet trolls. They're literally your target audience telling you what they want. Uh, there's a comics channel called Comics Matter with your boy Zach. It's, it used to be Diversity in Comics. And he's like, it's free. It's literally free customer, like, uh, intel, right? Yeah. You look at the comments and you get all this feedback for free. That you don't even, you don't have to pay focus groups. These people are going to go out of their way to tell you what they want. Some of it might not be phrased the most politely, but they're going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And in these things, they tend to write anything negative off as trolls or just people hating because they're not, you know, because it's uh, coming into some new type of Hollywood, whether it's diversity and uh, we, whatever. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, all these things that people uh, have opinions about. And they, but what they're really doing is telling you, like, you're going to use a property that we have a deep amount of reverence for, that we have put a lot of time into watching in another medium. We would, uh, we would, uh, we would hope that you would pay as much respect to this property as we do with the amount of money we spend on it and the amount of time we invest in watching it. Can you at least put that same amount of time and uh, love into how you make this interpretation of it? And they tend to just write those people off because they don't like to, Mm. they, they don't like being criticized. And a lot of it is, is like when you change things nowadays, when you make these things about, um, uh, you know, identity politics, they come with what are, are like built in shields. Like you're not allowed to criticize this or you're this or that. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. You listen to your audience. You make a Spider-Man movie like no way home. You make a show like Cobra Kai. You'll make the, the, the large box office. You'll get the, the season five order that shows would love to get, Most shows would love to get this, uh, get these days. Right. Mm-hmm. This show got canceled after three weeks. Wow. It was only out for three weeks and they're like, no, no season two. Uh, yeah. For a, a property the size of Cowboy Bebop, that's insane. So it says, uh, from Spencer Bakuli, not uh, our second favorite. Yeah, our second favorite, not our favorite favorite. Yeah. Uh, so it says, in light of a damning three, uh, of its damning three-week lifespan, one of the stars of Netflix's Cowboy Bebop, Mustafa Shakir, has begun to mull the idea that rather than haters and critics, the, series, uh, the series's abrupt cancellation was caused by the fact that, quote, it wasn't as good as we thought. Uh, Shakir explained his realization on December 10th, the day after the streaming giant off officially announced that it would not be moving forward with any more seasons of the ill-fated live-action anime adaptation. In accompaniment to an Instagram shared uh, in reflection of his time as the Bebop's de facto leader, Jet Black, quote, What a cool opportunity, right? Wrote Shakir alongside a black-and-white image of himself on set as Jet. I got to play Jet Black. I'll never not be him, so to speak. That's badass to me. Like, that's good. That means mm. that that's him being like, he clearly was enjoying the role, right? 
uh, noting that, quote, at Netflix uh, went balls to the walls for us in order to get it done. The actor then offered his thanks for how, quote, they really looked after us when shit hit the fan, <laughs> they, though he did not elaborate on what specific events he's referring to. They didn't. Uh, they didn't look out for you. They canceled it in three weeks. Mm-hmm. I would say he, sh- he should have a bone to pick with Netflix. Like mm-hmm. you put all this money and time into one season and then you cancel that quickly. What went wrong? Seriously. Why? How did this get from ide- from a uh, uh, production meeting uh, and pitch to script to camera to, to audience and nobody thought along the ways maybe this is good maybe this should be done differently how did it make it that far without them realizing that it was going to have a reaction like this I, I think it must just speak to corporate incompetence yeah. right mm-hmm. I mean it's it's the uh, it's their inability to to realize that uh, when you take properties like this you're just asking to be hyper criticized mm-hmm. and to be uh, looked everything's looked at with a fine tooth comb you know, member berries and, and mm-hmm. Easter eggs can only go so far when there's no love for the source material. But That's no, true. I'm not quite familiar with the timeline. So did the criticism begin before the show dropped? Yeah, Way before. it was before, too. Yeah. Okay, so to be fair, that makes me think of all the criticisms against, let's say, people who are cast as Batman. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. I yep. mean, so the fans aren't always right. Yeah. No, know? no. But, but those criticisms, I don't know, do they have to be evaluated? Like, what if they had listened and fired Michael Keaton before he was Batman, you know? Mm-hmm. I think part of it was that it was what Daniel Pineda being cast as Faye Valentine yeah. and then she pushes back because they're mad because she doesn't look like Faye. Like, she w- oh. they didn't dress her like Faye Valentine looks in the anime. Yeah. Uh, that's, how that's how that and, usually starts with mm-hmm. these yep. kind of properties. It's just like, oh, you can't cast him. Oh, it, what are you doing with the costume? Do, yeah. you know? and, and then the other thing is like, but did Michael Keaton get on Twitter when he was cast as Batman right. and say, you're a bunch of uh, incel man babies and you don't, no, 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 no. the yeah. smart ones stay quiet. Uh, yeah. All they have to, I said, literally all they have to do in these situations is come on and say, like, I know that there's some changes being made. I know that this isn't 110% like the anime, but we're really proud of what we've created. We have a lot of respect for the source material. We know that you have your reservations, but could you please give it a chance and give us an opportunity to win you over? Well, it's the same thing. Like, um, you know how like Netflix is doing a lot of Korean dramas based on webtoons. Like, um, are you familiar with Home Sweet Home? No. Okay. So it's basically a horror... um, one of their horror webtoons uh, adaptations. Basically, they didn't really do it exactly like how the comic book is. Um, I read a little bit of the beginning comic book, and then I lost track where I was. But I really liked the comic book, but how they did it in the Netflix adaptation, they added more story in the beginning. So the main character, he's going to his apartment. It's kind of like a cheap apartment. He's like, yeah... I don't have my family anymore, which in the comic book, they talk the same thing. Like, he doesn't have his family, but they didn't really say that he's, like, uh, a gamer. Okay. They just say, like, he's just a outcast and he's just a hermit. But then later, when all these monsters come out of nowhere, he becomes the hero. But in the comic book, like, he kind of gets attacked first. Same mm-hmm. thing in the adaptation, but they added a little bit more where he's just walking around. And then, like, some ladies, like, let me in. I'm so hungry. And then, like, she turns into a ghoul right away. Hmm. They could do the same thing. But, like, also not a lot of people are familiar with Webtoons. But they are familiar with Cowboy Bebop. It came out before well, I was born. 
Well, that's what I I'm saying. Like, uh, they get more leeway when mm-hmm. it's when it's less known properties. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, just make something new, and you don't have all of these mm-hmm. landmines you have to step over right. while creating. When you just do a live action Sailor Moon, I know they did it in and Japan just, already. Just shut the actors up. Just don't <laughs> yeah. don't let Muzzle them yeah. don't let them talk back to the fans before the show comes out. I don't know how hard that can be. Like. I get it. Like you, it doesn't feel good when people say something negative about you. Marvel but makes their actors sign a contract. Why isn't it in the contract? This should be in every mm-hmm. actor's contract it, with yeah. something like this. Just, just avoid. Like anytime, like somebody says something negative about me, uh, the the way I see it is, is like uh, if I get you jelly jelly. If I no no, it's nothing. Good. <laughs> if I get like fifty positive comments on something that I post. And I never even have the time to really say anything back. I just because I just post and ghost like with this mm-hmm. with like my skating stuff with mm-hmm. anything. I post because I, I've been posting these videos every day for several years. It's just part of like I'll, I'll heart the comments or whatever. But if somebody posts something positive, I might not necessarily respond. So if I'm not going to respond to the nice things, why the hell would I give the time of day to the negative things? You're, it's your job to do the role that they portrait that they've got together for you mm-hmm. if that's not in line with what the fans want that's on the studio but it's on you to back their play and just keep quiet and give this thing the best opportunity it has to come out well mm. and to to antagonize fans i feel like that should come as second nature like if I'm customer service, I'm not allowed to just tell the guy who called me a piece of crap that he's a piece of crap because it reflects bad on the company and it reflects you're not just you you're a representative of this i don't care if you're an independent contractor or if because it's a role it's just one movie you're representing this as a brand now it's your job to do that Mm. and part of that is being bigger than the people who are talking to you like that exactly one because they might have a point Mm -hmm. and two because you should just be the bigger person yeah you remember when i told you about that one email when before we hired carter and like the day of when carter started like his very first day he got a hate email yeah and they're like why didn't you hire me i could have done it better and i answered it this way i was like i'm so sorry you feel that way we're slowly looking at job applicants right now hopefully they'll look at your job applications and look at your samples as soon as possible you might hear something from them thank you for applying yep but you're not you're not sorry he felt that way (laughs) <laughs> I, I didn't feel that way because like this guy legit said i know where you guys live i could have walked up to your property and gave you these samples and i'm like that doesn't sound like a stalker at all um but basically that's what i said because like again like i represent like tim cast like just answering the emails mm-hmm. so you need like to be like the bigger person and just like i'm so yeah. sorry yeah we're wrong we're wrong my bad um yeah customer is always right mm-hmm. Um, you just need to please people a certain way. I, you're just, you're a representative of something bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Your paycheck is only a small amount of the funding that went in to make this a reality. Exactly. It's, it's your right. job to represent it in the best possible way. Right. Uh, it's, uh, so it says, "quote This." They're talking about his quotes from here when basically says like maybe it wasn't as good as <laughs> we thought it was. It says all I know is that we got that we got this done under the craziest conditions, and I'm proud of what we did. He ultimately concluded, "Thank you for dreaming with us. See you, space cowboys. Forever yours, Jet Black." It says the solemn and gracious exit statement by Shakir, who despite the show's overall quality was regularly praised as the least offensive thing about it stands in stark contrast to the tantrum thrown by Cowboy Bebop script supervisor, Naomi Markman on the day of this, of the series cancellation. 
Taking to Twitter on December 9th, Markman boasted, quote, not to rub it in your faces, but as the individual who has read the, the Cowboy Bebop season two scripts more than anyone else in this world, you uh, effing missed out. Uh, you, you more than anyone else in the world missed out. So basically she's saying like, mm. it's your fault you're not going to get to see season two of this awesome show uh, before eventually crying foul after receiving pushback for the very same people she previously antagonized. Hmm. My dear troll friends, there's that word. Hmm. My dear troll friends, you do realize that literally hundreds of people lost their jobs today, right? Jobs we loved and cared about, asked Markman uh, after discovering that the idea of the second season of Cowboy D- Bebop was a resoundingly D-Dop. un... Bebop was a resoundingly unpopular opinion from uh, unpopular from audiences. So basically, like mm-hmm. she's like this. Se- this second season is going to be so good, but these people are like, but season one wasn't good. So why would we want that? Hmm. Uh, I thought the first episode wasn't bad. Like the opening, it wasn't that bad. I I just I don't know. I just don't like Daniela um, Daniela Pineda. 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 Attem- attempting to I elicit. I don't like her as a person. Yeah. Attempting to elicit sympathy for the insulting <laughs> job by her and the rest of Cowboy Bebop's production team. That's that's mm-hmm. editorializing yeah. sure, heavily. Sure. Uh, Markman then argued, quote, just because you don't like the food at the restaurant doesn't mean that you would celebrate it when it closes down. DF. Yeah, you would. You, you wouldn't mock the waiters or chefs. And I beg you, uh, I beg of you to touch some grass and give someone you love a hug. That's just like. It's a bad day for the a, script supervisor. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, it's like. At the very like, at the very least, you have to be like, okay, maybe it didn't turn out that well. Just move on to the next project, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I get what she's saying, but I just think that it's like people told you this was going to go bad. You didn't listen to them. You pushed forward and made it the way you wanted to make it, anyways. And then when what they said was going to go wrong went wrong, mm-hmm. you're angry, right? Like, what do you do? Go on, boomer book. <laughs> Rant there. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of want to blame Netflix for this. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't they have mm-hmm. just had some patience? Yeah. Like, I mean, they should. I mean, in, in terms of, to use a poker term, they're committed to the pot at this point. Well, mm-hmm. So they I mean, might as well get a couple seasons in and then see where you go. Depending on how expensive it is to make, and outside of the fact that, like, okay, nobody likes season one, this lady might lose her job anyways, because if they're going to go season two, they might want to take the direction an entirely different way. They're like, there okay. There was a lot of special effects into this, like, um, whole product. So, so it's expensive. Yeah, it's, so it's really very expensive. expensive. But it's all expensive, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, so I don't, I don't know if that's really a metric that they're that concerned about. I could well, be wrong. John Cho probably costs a lot of money he just to get John Cho. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure he's very well paid mm-hmm. as an actor. Mm-hmm. So. Um, to me, this is one of those things where the, like, it, how is it that the fans see this coming from a mile away mm-hmm. years before this comes out? As soon as you see the disrespect to the character saying the clothing is stupid, uh, hypersexualization, man, baby, but once the buzzwords start coming in, mm-hmm. there's problems and people can see it coming from a mile away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not getting the fact like how faithful is it to the adaptation? That doesn't mm-hmm. matter. If you can't get your actors to do something as simple as be polite to the fans, all of the fans... Mm-hmm. Then a lot of times you're you're underwater. I didn't see anything about um, <laughs> about uh, Zabka and uh, Larusse. You know, I didn't see them from Cobra mm-hmm. Kai talking about how the man babies are mad that the this is happening in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Right. John Cho should just get angry with like everybody who's like, especially the scriptwriter and then Daniela. Like he should just get angry and go like, really. You mess with my paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you don't get hired again. Well, yeah. not that badly. Smart, I think yeah. he's a smart man. The mm-hmm. smart actors mm-hmm. keep their mouth shut mm-hmm. and just take the job as it is and try to 
decon like to separate themselves from that right yeah. if i have to separate the art from the artist and mm -hmm. watch things with people who say horrible things about th you know about so about me on twitter um the then the actors need to separate the noise from the work yeah <laughs> exactly well, also both parties are responsible mm -hmm. here yeah mm -hmm. but also i was talking about like comparing old hollywood i'm not like calling them like old i'm just talking about actors who were before the internet and actors who are now with the internet mm. like they have different personalities and they have like different like th they know how to deal with their fans like tom cruise um john cho like he's from old hollywood where like they know how to play to the fans mm -hmm. and be nice mm -hmm. to them because they know fans are where the income is you need to be a people pleaser more people will give you more um money but new actors like daniela she doesn't realize that like mm -hmm. these man babies they're giving her money. Yep. She just needs to shut up. Yep. I understand, like, you don't want to dress up a certain way. You can just say, oh, yeah, we're just doing a different outfit change. Mm -hmm. Or and, don't take the role. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because, like, yeah. we're reading an article where she's like, I can't, I'm so happy they chose me, my flat butt. And I'm like, what does your flat butt have to do with anything? Mm -hmm. They're remaking Firefly now. Oh, and, really? Yeah. I never watched the original. Train wreck. I'm sure. I can't, like, yeah. That you talk about rabid fan bases, holy crap! Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, uh, how are they going to do it even without Nathan Fillion? Uh, uh, like, they're like, yeah, it's, but it's got to be this, it's got to be that, mm -hmm. it's got to be this. Well, this doesn't really work anymore. I'm like, so it's not Firefly. Mm -hmm. Basically, like they're listing all the things that they're going to change about it. I'm like, so why call it Firefly? Mm -hmm. Call it fire. Uh, call it something else. Call it anything but Firefly. Trash fire. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, it's the same thing with. Star Trek yeah. with the movies. Oh man, or well, or just uh, Discovery and mm -hmm. uh, and Picard. Yeah, which nobody likes. <laughs> it, it's just oof. Yep. Because like um, our boss Tim, he loves Star Trek. Old Star Trek. Yep, yep. he loves it. And yep. like um, the new ones, I don't know what's his opinion about the. New I don't ones. know if he's seen uh, Discovery or Picard. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know because like I knew a lot of people were complaining about that. And, uh, Total misuse of Anson Mount's talent. Mm -hmm. Anson Mount is a fantastic actor. Yeah, hmm. I, I haven't know. seen them, but I, I that, that is surprising to hear because one of the main writers on that series is one of the, probably the greatest living novelists that we have, Michael mm -hmm. Chabon. Yes. So I'm not really sure how uh, he got tangled up in such a such a dumpster fire. Well, like when you see a big title like Star Trek, like. You're like, oh, yeah, I want to put my name into it. Maybe it mm. might put my name at a higher level. Yeah, if he's already the, uh, very big, then he doesn't need to be yeah. attached to something like that. Well, he's like also that. the screenwriter mm. of Spider-Man 2, the original mm. Spider-Man 2. Mm. So, Yay. I mean, he's not, he's not naive to the, you know, action mm -hmm. It's just process. It's just bogged down with ridiculous identity politics. And, mm -hmm. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, I see. It's, it's, it's nothing to do with the filmmaking. It's got everything to do with how it's all of the the themes and all of the things that they're talking about will not make any sense in five years because it's not evergreen content. I see. Uh, it's all going to be like, what? But like, isn't that what made the original Star Trek awesome is that it was evergreen content, essentially, that mm -hmm. speaks to many generations? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it did progressivism in a way that really, really resounded and had uh, a nuanced and balanced take. Uh, the new stuff is very, very bad. I guess mm. in my per in my personal opinion, mm. that's I'm also hyper aware of that stuff. So mm, yeah, sure. it I is haven't what it is. watched it, yep. so I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I know the backlash. <laughs> Anson mm. Mount is fantastic, though. If you ever saw Hell on Wheels on AMC, it mm -hmm. was very, very good. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But yes, uh, that was that was fun. Yeah, it always uh, is. Uh, I feel bad ending on that one. Uh, <laughs> like it is what it is. Uh, it's okay. I, I think this is for the best. They're going to they're, and just. Well, 
so just to leave on a fantastic note, if you want a, a depressingly fantastic way to go out, they're going to ruin Mega Man next. No! <laughs> they're making a Mega Man uh, Netflix Leave my show. Mega High alone. Uh, you're, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. No, what? leave it alone. I... Okay, if they want to make a good Mega Man movie, look at um, Sonic for Hire. Hmm. Um, it's a it's a YouTube cartoon series where like these guys um, they're from Lowbrow, and it's so funny. Like they have all the cartoon video game characters together, and Sonic can't look for a job, so he's like for hire. Like he will do anything for you, and like there's a little <laughs> bit of Mega Man. He's like, yeah, just take care of my dog, and his dog is a robot dog. Huh. L- live action Mega Man. What could possibly wow. go wrong? Everything. Yeah, pretty much everything. Everything, but also just a pitch for Hollywood. There's a movie called Karen. Why don't they just make a movie called um, Overreactant Hollywood? And it's just a satire. <laughs> Catchy title. <laughs> <laughs> and it it's just far. a satire. <laughs> they could do that. I mean, uh, impulse t- impulse tweet. Impulse tweet. Like Tweeters. That's what it is. Like a lot of times they end up deleting this stuff later. It's like, yeah. why can't you just read it over? You know that what's the what's that saying? It's like uh, if you write something mean, like uh, put it in a drawer and wait a day. Yep. And if you still and if you don't still feel the same way, don't send it. Can, if, write your tweet out. Put it in your draft folder. Wait a day. And if your snarky response that involves the words incel, man, baby, or various <laughs> other things, if it if it still doesn't burn in your heart as need uh, like important to say, just delete it. What That's, if it's beautiful? Delete it. Yep. What about that saying? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. That that works too. But, but there is something to say for purging it for your own personal sake. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's something that Anne Hathaway has talked about doing her whole life: is yeah. writing very angry, sternly worded letters to people and mm-hmm. then just destroying. Them. Yeah, I oh, do that. that helps I do that a lot. Yeah, yeah of course. I do that on a re- like, uh, like I'll write a, re- a mean response and then I just always delete it because yep. I don't. I've gotten it out of my system. That's mm-hmm. all I needed to mm-hmm. do, right? That's or you it. can just be unhealthy like me and just hold it inside and it's <laughs> there's that <laughs> well there's something you said like it's still technically i'm holding it in i'm yeah. just writing it out and manifesting no, no like i hold it in. i think that the purging of of words onto a page is so powerful yeah. like i really believe that more I, than i, I thought in that. yeah i hold it in and then one day it's keep just, a hate journal is that a thing yeah it's it can it be. is sure it can be yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, i feel like it is i don't like, think that that phrase is trademarked yet mm-hmm. but uh, it fits getting yeah. it mm-hmm. <laughs> we should just do that like Tim yeah. Cash should just make a hate journal merch mm-hmm. write all your hate and then no Death Note is copyrighted and it, it. comes with a book of matches mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so you can like all the pages look like tweets yeah <laughs> all, like it's all in like the te- like the yeah. form of like a tweet yeah that'd be good. amazing mm-hmm. we're on to something I'm yeah you. or you can just pick up painting or like any other <laughs> media mm-hmm. or yoga or uh, boxing or, or do box breathing that's what I do when I get stressed oh yeah that really helps but like I realize that doesn't help me anymore because anxiety is high Mm, gotta work on it yeah hmm. alright guys well uh, Chris uh, thank you I, we left on that note I said yeah we're ending there I'm, <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting good at just like we're going we're moving yep. we're just moving like you, you, you have to do it right like exactly. sometimes you just when Miracle goes off on one of her like like the tangentist of tangents <laughs> uh, sometimes you gotta pull it away from um, Sonic for Hire yeah. and, and just pull it back to the regular discussion but it kind of helps with like being really true to the fan base like it's making fun of the media but it's true to the fan base and that's what i really want hollywood to do because like small animators like lowbrow like they know 
who their audience is. Like it could be really crass or it could be really clever at the same time. Mm-hmm. Very hard to do that in Hollywood because they're always looking for the next demographic to to take the market from, right? Look mm-hmm. at the man babies. <laughs> they, they, I, I don't know. They, they expect the man babies to both like uh, love the original and then when they make it completely different, love that too, which when, makes yeah. no sense. Or they can do what Japan does and just do fan service. They could do that. Fan service every day. Stay tuned. We'll see. Yeah. Chris, uh, give us your social media. Oh, uh, I am Chris Carr 17 on Twitter because mm-hmm. there are 17 syllables in a haiku. Ooh. <laughs> are you going to come back on next week? Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Of course. Mm-hmm. As, as long as I'm not in the hospital watching my new son be delivered because that could happen. That was what Any I was going to say. Now. I was going to say, I was like, what if like he's here and like it and he actually gets the call? I, yeah, that could happen. That, that could happen tonight on that, IRL. Ooh. Well, oh my God. That'd be so cool. Can we do like a vlog like incoming sure. on Cast Castle? We're going to see Alex give birth to this baby. Hey, One, two, it. three, pop. <laughs> <laughs> we can do, we awesome. do that. We'll talk to Nick. We'll see if he wants to do oh, that. Oh, yeah, sure. Watch Nick go like, no, nah, I just want to hang out with Stella, my dog. <laughs> Miracle, why don't you share with everyone your social media? Oh, God. That's a weird transition, but I don't have any social medias because it rots your brain. Yes, it does. Guys, if you want to follow the podcast, you can find the full episodes. They are on Pandora. Mm -hmm. I said that first. Pandora, it's on Spotify. It's on Amazon Music. It's on Apple Podcasts. You can find clips of the show on YouTube. And if you go into the YouTube description, there is a link for the Spotify page for the 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 full-length version of the podcast. You'd only get the clips on YouTube. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at popculture underscore show. And we are also on TikTok and Facebook at popculturecrisis. Thanks for watching, guys. We will see you tomorrow. Bye. See you. See you what? See you. Oh, my God. I did this perfect ending. Finish it. Say see you soon. No, see you space cowboys. I can't. I was going to do a cute little anime reference. This is not our outro. This is terrible. I tried. We will see you soon, guys. Bye. Bye. I tried. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.